Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mitchell, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing today, Ian? Doing great. We had some some crazy NFL news the other day. No free agent signings or anything like that, but the league year has now expanded an additional week. They'll take away a preseason game. And first of all, we had to do the free agency recap video. We can't get into an NFL episode without touching on some of the biggest breaking news. And I think that's kind of crazy. I always thought if any, if the NFL was going to go in either direction, we'd probably get less regular season games. So to, to see an extra game, it makes me happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm interested to see how, you know, everything starts playing out with this additional game. But I, I didn't see it coming. Did you have any idea that this was on the horizon, Jason? No, like, like you said, I would expect either a game or two less without, but I mean, it's going to bring in that revenue that they lost last year and stadiums are going to be able to open up more and bring in that stadium revenue, which is the the big key to teams making money. So it, it, it makes sense in the NFL eyes for a business standpoint. Absolutely. Definitely from the business standpoint, but kind of like you said, I just, I guess it was, uh, you know, watching these last couple of seasons, it's, it feels like we've missed so many great players due to injuries. And I don't know, it just anytime you throw an extra game in there, it just with the way the last couple of seasons have gone. And I know they didn't operate under perfect circumstances, or at least this last one didn't. But it just feels like an extra opportunity for players to get hurt. And I definitely don't like that. And I feel like that's one of probably, in my opinion right now, the biggest plague around the NFL league is just not being able to watch these great players play every single year. So for that reason, it doesn't make much sense. But absolutely from the financial aspect. The NFL is kind of digging itself out of a hole that they've, you know, kind of found themselves in thanks to COVID. A lot of huge corporations are. The NFL is no different. They couldn't operate the same. So we get a new a game out of it, and, and I am excited for that. I'll love to see who it is. And I also believe when I saw the news breaking, it's a, it's a non-conference game that was added. So that means we could get a chance to see some, some cool, exciting matchups that we don't usually get to see happen. And I think that would be the best way for the NFL to operate with this freed up game. Since it is non-conference, you have the ability to give us a lot more star studded matchups for out of conference teams throughout the regular season. And I hope that they take this opportunity and try and line up a couple more. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be some really good games this year. Uh, especially that week 17. Uh, the one that the NFL is promoting the most right now, which I don't understand, uh, the Patriots and the Cowboys. Why are you promoting the two most hated teams in the NFL? But who knows? I, mean, I will give one thing. Both of those fan bases ride very hard for their team. And that would be my guess. I guess they're trying to get that game out there more than anything to start the Twitter war to end all Twitter wars would be my guess. All right. Um, now hopping into the free agency recap so far, we're going to be going division by division. Uh, uh, starting with the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills. They got two 
really good receivers and Emmanuel Sand uh and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh Brandon Powell's pretty good. Uh I'd say McKenzie's is good. The thing I didn't understand was them signing Mitch Trubisky. So that's gonna be the wild card. And obviously so. I don't hate the deal. Um, I really don't, especially now for one, you're not going to find another quarterback in this league that's not starting for a team who has the kind of intangibles that Josh Allen has. It's just not possible. And I do think that Mitchell Trubisky with the way that he can use his legs and how Trubisky, if there's one thing I'll give him, he's a pretty good medium to close range passer. If you keep the game plan simple for him, he can succeed in those kind of a roles. He's not a guy who's going to beat you down the field, play in and play out, but he can dink and dump you down the field, especially when he has the right kind of players around him. So because of that reason, I don't hate him coming here to be a backup. I think, you know, it's about time that he's settled into that kind of role. And I'm glad that he's out of Chicago and doesn't have that whole cloud looming over his head. And if something were to happen to Josh Allen, I'd feel much more comfortable as a Bills fan if we had Trubisky to come in because Trubisky's not a star quarterback. He's not going to win you more games than Josh Allen will, but he can help keep your team's head above water while you're missing an MVP candidate quarterback. And for that reason, I, I do think Trubisky is probably already one of the better backups in the league. And I would trust Trubisky over a lot of other backups in this league personally. I don't know how a lot of other people feel. And he had a really bad stint in Chicago. But like I said, he fits. They wouldn't have to change the game plan too much if you went from Josh Allen to Mitch Trubisky. It, it, you Obviously, yeah, you can't bend or break the defense anymore. But you can still utilize his legs. And you can keep a lot of those close passing game the same. So for that reason, I, I do think it makes a little bit of sense. I thought the two biggest signings that this team made were two players that they retained. I thought, you know, re-signing Matt Milano was huge. I think Matt Milano is an awesome linebacker. Tremaine Edmonds gets a lot of credit for, you know, his role as the middle linebacker on that on that football team, and deservedly so. He's an awesome player. But Matt Milano is right, right beside him in terms of skill. Matt Milano flies around the field, makes a ton of plays. If you've watched – a Bills game and he's been on their defense you've heard his name get called out a lot because he just makes a lot a lot of plays and then Darrell Williams they were able to re-sign him got him on a three-year contract I love Darrell Williams I think that he's a great great tackle and part of the reason for the Bills overall success last season was because of how strong their offensive line was they're not the best run blocking team but they're an outstanding pass blocking team and that arguably starts with Darrell Williams yeah, like you said, the Matt Milano re-signing. They got him on a relatively good deal, a uh, four-year, $41.5 million. About $10 million a year for for an above-average linebacker. You can't really get better than that, and he's already acclimated into the defense instead of bringing in a new guy. Another interesting signing I liked was Matt Breida. I feel like since his his days in San Fran, he hasn't really got the opportunity, uh, especially last year in um, Miami. Didn't really get too many opportunities. 
So him coming to this team with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. I don't know how much chance he'll really get, but just having another explosive guy to the backfield is going to be nice. Absolutely. I think this probably has the chance to be the best signing that this team makes all season. I really like Zach Moss, and I think he has more than enough potential to be a bell cow running back. I think that he could be a three-down back for you and really do it all. But I think last year he did struggle with the injuries a little bit, and it's it's given me enough reason to pause. And the fact that the Bills were able to go out and get a running back who we've seen play at the caliber that Matt Breida has before, now not consistently and not, you know, over a ton of opportunities. But when he has had a chance, he's played very well. And like I touched on a little bit earlier, you know, the run situ- the run blocking situation doesn't put him in a position for nearly the amount of success that he probably had with the 49ers. But with the aired out kind of attack that this Bills team has, there'll be lanes for him no matter what. And I would not be surprised if come the end of last season, Matt Breida is the leading rusher for the Bills. I wouldn't be surprised one bit at all. I think Devin Singletary kind of played his way out of the rotation as the season went on for the Bills. And Zach Moss hardly got any chance to really cement himself because of the injuries. And so for those reasons, I don't really like that. Uh, or I like this move a whole lot for the Bills, and I think it could pay huge dividends. Dividends, And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the best running back on this team by the end of next season. And I, I do think the one last thing that we have to talk about with this team, you brought it up earlier, Emmanuel Sanders signing. He, he comes here on a one-year deal. Really the thing for me is it, it seems like it came down between John Brown or Emmanuel Sanders and the bills went Emmanuel Sanders. I want to hear how you feel about this before I get into it. Now I am upset. They let go of John Brown because he is that speed threat. Emmanuel Sanders doesn't really have the speed he used to, but the thing with John Brown is his hands can be really iffy at times. And that's something Emmanuel Sanders is going to bring you no matter what he has some of the best hands in the NFL. Uh, I, Barely had any drops last year, and playing in that Saints offense, he didn't really get the ball thrown to him deep too much with Drew Brees' uh, lack of arm strength with his old age. So going to a team with a guy like Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky as a backup, I think it's really going to let Emmanuel Sanders flourish to what he used to be. See, I'm really on the fence about this one. I really like Emmanuel Sanders, but – in terms of where he is right now at 34 years old, he, it gives me a little bit of concern. Now, John Brown is a 28-year-old speed demon. And I think if you've listened to us talk about the NFL, you know how I feel about fast receivers. And it has nothing to do with the stats or, or what their statistical production may be. It's just the effect that it has on a defense. And I've seen it play itself out far too many times to not recognize how deadly of a weapon that is. And I, I just, for that reason, production out the window, Emmanuel Sanders could double what John Brown did this season. And I still don't know if I would like it just because, like I said, for that speed opposite of Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs is terrific. He can run every route in the route tree, but he, he he's fast, but he's not a John Brown kind of speedster. Emmanuel Sanders isn't either. And so the one thing that has become a little bit obvious to me is I want this 
Bills offense to add a little bit of juice. I think that they are in a good position to be able to get that through the draft because I don't think this team has a lot of holes all around. And so I do think that they can, you know, take a couple chances on, on someone who's electric and, and you know, has a, a good amount of speed, just someone that is just a physical nightmare. They need one of those guys. And so for that reason, I, I hope that they address that. And if they do, I would love this signing because I do – I am inclined to agree with you. I do think Emmanuel Sanders is a better receiver than John Brown. But it's just the combination of the fact that John Brown is a known commodity. He's 28 in his prime, speed demon, like I said. And Emmanuel Sanders is 34. And he's he's regressed a couple of years now to me. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to get back to what we knew him in his – what feels like Denver Broncos days almost. I mean, he, he was – it always been a problem, but not the same kind of problem. But I do think that this will work out. But I want the Bills to get a little bit faster. Oh, I completely understand that. I hope they address that in the draft. Um, but even if they don't, I think having a wide receiver core of Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, and Emmanuel Sanders, that's three of the best hand-catching receivers in the league. I mean, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders have proven they're some of the, they have some of the best hands in the league, and Stephon Diggs is well on his way there. That is true. That is true. And I – just to get back to it one last time before we move on to the next team. I think the reason why it gives me so much cause for concern with this team in particular is just because I understand that Josh Allen has probably the only arm that's comparable in the entire NFL to Pat Mahomes. I think you could even make the argument that he's probably got a better arm. And for that reason, you can really get a lot out of the deep game with a quarterback like Josh Allen. And the fact that they lost their best deep receiver, I didn't like that. And I just thought that the trade-off between him and a receiver like Sanders, you're not going to be able to get the same kind of things from Sanders that you got from Brown. So I do still like the deal. Like you said, he has amazing hands. He'll make incredible plays for you. He's going to be a great number two receiver. But then you also have Cole Beasley in the slot. It's just not a lot of, you know, quick twitch kind of speed on this team. And so for that reason, I do just hope that they address that in the draft but it's still a good signing nonetheless. Now, on to the next team, um, Miami Dolphins. Bringing a backup QB in Jacoby Brissett with losing Fitzpatrick. I, I like it. Braging for Bernardrick McKinney with only giving up Shaq Lawson, who hasn't really done much in the NFL up to this point. And then bringing in Justin Coleman. Now, the big one for them, they brought in Will Fuller. Deal. They did bring in Will Fuller. And I am excited to see how it plays out. I do think that a wide receiver core around built around Preston Williams, Will Fuller, and Devontae Parker, it could be a really, really good wide receiving core. But sadly, with this Dolphins team, I can't really delve into it too much because I have too many questions with with their quarterback situation and Tua and also about their draft pick. I still think that, okay, so if this deal to sign Will Fuller is the headliner in their class. In my, in, uh, let me make sure I'm not crazy. Okay, yes, this is their headliner thus far. And with his signing, if they draft another wide receiver, I'd give this an F. 
if they take a receiver at six in the draft, I, I'd give this an F because I don't understand ten and a half million dollars to for a one year rental when you're going to be trying to work in. If you take a wide receiver at six, you're getting one of the top two wide receivers in the draft, guaranteed. And so with that, if you draft them and stifle their development and get in the way of ten and a half million dollars that you just spent in the offseason, I would hate that. I really would hate that. I don't think that they necessarily 100% go wide receiver in the draft, but that's been the way that I felt like they were, they've been leaning for a while now. So with that reason, I, this move gives me a little bit of pause, but I do think overall that they had a nice and well-rounded offseason. I think they lost Raekwon McMillan, who I would have liked to have seen them retain. I think he's a young player with a lot of potential, but they got – they kept a Landon Roberts. They got Brandon, Brandon Scarlett to also play linebacker, two guys that are come in and be able to fill that role. And they also got Ben Benardrick McKinney from the yes. Texans, like you said, for Shaq Lawson. And he's a great linebacker. He's an absolutely fantastic linebacker. The Houston Texans have gone under a bit of a fire sale here recently. And of all the players they've traded, Benardrick, McKinney is probably the best of all of them. And he's going to come in and make a huge impact day one on this, on this Dolphins defense. And so I really like that. And I talked, you know, with, about the bills, about how I loved Mitch Trubisky. I love Jacoby Brissett signing. I absolutely love it. If you can get, uh, have a safety net for your quarterback, if something happens, especially with how this Dolphins team is looking with, like I said, the kind of question marks I have at the quarterback position, I love this pick. I think Jacoby Brissett is the best backup quarterback in the entire league. And for that reason, I love this pick or this signing a whole lot. Now, I do have to say the Dolphins front office is some of the most genius people in the NFL. I mean, you trade Laramie Tunsil for four first round picks, basically. You trade that pick back to get another like four picks out of it for the 49ers. And then you trade up with the Eagles only giving up two picks. Like, how? How do you do this? They're playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. I they're, Nah, they're playing 40 chess at this point. <laughs> they're doing something else. They, they are a very smart football team, and they operate under the kind of intentions that I love to see. I think any team that shows the wherewithal to – have an active vision for their future is light years ahead of 90% of the teams in the league, because especially around this time of year, you start to see the desperation start to seep through teams, over signing guys doing things that they shouldn't do and putting themselves in a potentially, you know, massively bad cap situation to be able to make a run. And for a lot of teams, or, I mean, if you look at it this way, there's one team that wins the Super Bowl every year. Every team cannot win. And so for, like I said, 90, that leaves 25 teams out there with a lot of bad deals that they acquired in the offseason. And uh, just looking top to bottom with this, excluding the trades and how smart the Dolphins are at moving around in the draft, I love their signings as well. I don't think that they went too deep on any guy that they signed. And I thought all their deals were really, really well. And they filled holes that they needed. I, I really like this free agency class for the Dolphins it's not anything crazy nobody on here is going to blow you away but they filled needs that they had and they brought back players that they needed to yeah and then with them trading back into the draft 
I really feel like they really want to get attack offensive tackle with that trading back from 12 to six. Um, I will let you dive into the next one real quick for the next team. Next up, we have the New England Patriots. And if you knew, if you saw anything from the first couple of days of free agency, you've got a good idea about what this team is doing because it was a point in time where I feel like they might be the only team participating in free agency. They had an absolute field day. They re-signed Cam Newton. They brought him back on a one-year deal worth up to $13.5 million. It's base value at $5 million. I really like this deal. There's a lot of incentives based around this, and I really, really like that for Cam Newton. I don't – it's getting to the point in his career with how he's been playing where I don't know what it's going to take for him to want to keep being great and all of that and all that jazz. And I don't think he was in a situation last year where he could totally be great. And especially with what he likes to do as as a quarterback. So to be able to bring him back as just a safety valve and a potential starting quarterback, I love that. I want to see what else they do at the quarterback position through the draft and things like that to see, you know, how this position is actually going to shape out come come season time. But either way, I liked it a lot. They kept James White on a one year, two and a half million dollar deal. I like this move a whole lot. James White had a, a lot of suitors, a whole lot of suitors, a lot more suitors than I think a lot of people would have would have known about. The Patriots were able to retain him. That's huge. They picked up – this is the only place that I really didn't like for them was the moves that they made at wide receiver. And I know this is a very good wide receiver class. They have a lot of opportunities to continue upgrading that position in the draft. But through, wide, but through free agency – they gave Nelson Aguilar a two-year contract worth $26 million. I'm I'm an Eagles fan. I do not like Nelson Aguilar. He played well with the Raiders. Yes. I don't think it was worth $26 million. I, I really don't think so. Not even close. And it, this isn't even a really high incentive-based contract. This is 11 mil flat a year. Two millions incentive, in incentives per year. So I don't really like that. The other wide receiver signing I actually love, though. Kendrick Bourne, former 49er receiver, signs a three-year, $22.5 million deal. Kendrick Bourne is a guy who never really got a whole lot of opportunity with the 49ers, but every single time that he did, he just made plays. I can't explain it. I don't know why he wasn't on the field longer, but this strikes me as a player who will probably take off for the Patriots. I think he has a lot of untapped potential. He's only 25 years old, six foot one. Great catch radius, goes up and gets the ball, can be a red zone target at six foot one. I just think this this player in particular, Kendrick Bourne, screams a Patriots breakout kind of player. And I'm expecting that for him. He got a three-year deal worth $22.5 million. Almost what Aguilar got, but he got he gets three years. But it's a lot of money for a guy with the kind of production that Kendrick Bourne has. And that's another reason why I kind of think the Patriots really, really spotted him out and wanted him, and they signed him day one. I don't think a lot of people were calling Kendrick Bourne with all the other receivers that were, you know, headlining free agency. So I, I think that they pinpointed him and really wanted to get that guy. They brought in two Henry. tight ends, oh. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, the top two tight ends in free agency, and this is going to be insane. We know Bill Belichick loves his tight ends absolutely loves them, uses them as well as any team in the entire league. And now he's got two of them and they have 
different skill sets and do different things really, really well. Johnny Smith is a guy you can use however you want. And that he would have been a perfect fit for any team, any team, unless they use uh, tight ends as in line kind of blocking close route kind of guys. He's not the best at that, but he can do that. Hunter Henry's a, a, I'd say probably an overall better blocker. So I think this move complements itself really, really well. And it's, it's nice that they have two tight ends that can do different things. They upgraded the offensive line in a whole lot of good ways. Trent Brown, David Andrews. I don't need to touch on either one of those guys. Both of those guys are awesome. Trent Brown I, had a lot better play with the Patriots before he went to the Raiders, and I expect him to get back to that. David Andrews has always been an awesome center for, for New England. They got Dietrich Wise back, Lawrence Guy. They agreed to terms with Devon Godshaw, Godshaw, excuse me, who is an awesome defensive tackle for the Dolphins. They went and signed the guy that I was talking about earlier from the Dolphins as well, Raekwon McMillan. I really like him. I think he could break out as well. Kyle Van Noy, Jalen Mills. I really like everything this team did. I just think they probably won free agency. I mean, they definitely signed more players than any other team in free agency. But I love all the fits, and they're all really good players. This team could look a whole lot different next year. When Bill Belichick woke up on the day of free agency, that man had just absolutely oblivious oblivion on his mind just wanted to go out and sign everyone i think it's the second most amount of guaranteed money given out on a single day of free agency he was he just wanted everyone he saw what happened this year and said that's never happening again and just got every top free agent he could yeah, he did. And you could tell he did not want to lose much longer. There is one move that I didn't I wasn't the biggest fan of. And I, I figure that I'm probably gonna get a little bit of backlash for this because I know a lot of people really, really like this player. So I expect it. But I didn't love the whole Matt Judah Matt Judon signing. He gets over fifty five million dollars total on his contract. And I'm not really sure if he's worth it. I, he played really well last year. He's always been a, a playmaker for that Baltimore Ravens defense. But six sacks last year, nine and a half the year before, seven, eight. He's a great, great player, but I'm not sure if he's 55. I'm not sure if he's 55 million. I, I really don't. I Like I said, I think he's a really good player. Would I give him 55 million? Probably not. I think there's players that are just as capable of doing that on the Patriots team already. And I just, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. I just think it's too much money, but that's the only sticking point really for me in this entire class. I liked everything else. I honestly think my favorite signing from this Patriots team was bringing back Kyle Van Noy. Um, he was a, a key player in their last Super Bowl run and Losing him to the Dolphins hurt a lot. Um, the Dolphins paid a lot of money. He played okay in Miami, but I think him coming back to Bill Belichick in that system where he performed really well and is going to 
going to bring him back to his his Pro Bowl status. Yeah. And now rounding off the AFC East with the bottom of the barrel, New York Jets. They had a an interesting free agency to say the least. Yeah. They signed some good players. Yeah, they, they definitely did. I, I definitely didn't hate it for them. And I will say I liked how they targeted free agency. I, I thought that they went they focused young on young players. I love that. They got a linebacker who I really, really like, Jared Davis. I think that he's going to be a huge, huge playmaker for this team. They also got probably one of the most trendy young players in all of free agency in Carl Lawson. I We had talked about this on the show. I figured there was no chance that he wasn't going to get the tag from Cincinnati. They made the mistake with not only not tagging him, but then signing his replacement. I... I think this is going to be a huge deal for them. I really do. I think Carl Lawson at only 25 years old is going to be the best pass rusher on whatever football team he plays for, for a good amount of time. And for that reason, I love this deal. They got him for 45 million. I like this a whole lot more than, the, than Matt Judon. And it, it's $10 million less. And he's three years cheaper or three years younger, excuse me. So for all those reasons, I absolutely love this. Tyler Croft, Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, they got got some players that can actually help out whoever may be manning the quarterback quarterback position for the Jets. But I like this deal, or I like this class. It's, it's not crazy, but it fits the direction and the timeline that the Jets are moving under. Also bringing in Will Marcus Joyner, I liked that. Um, taking him away from the Rams, he was – a good DB for the Rams and having a an actual corner that can play defense, what seems like for that Jets team, can be nice. I really like the Keelan Cole signing, uh, one year, $5.5 million. He has some really good hands, runs good routes. Um, then bringing in Corey Davis on a three-year, almost $38 million deal. I think that might be a little much for him. For considering he was the third option to Tennessee. But we all know what Corey Davis can do. And if you give him a number one opportunity, then I think he could be a number one, number two receiver, which is what the Jets really need if they're going to stick, which if they stick with Sam Darnold, which I think they should. But you never know with the New York Jets. Yeah, uh, like I said, it just the whole class kind of fit their timeline, like I said. And I, I think that's really well. They I don't even think the Jets 100% have the clearest picture of where they're going to be following the draft. So with, with that being said, like I said, I think they filled in a lot of the areas around some of their main question marks. And for that reason, I think they set themselves up to have a nice draft and still be able to address a lot of big needs in the draft. Yeah, hopefully the Jets can figure something out. That's the one scary proposition about this yeah. is the the free agency class essentially g- receives its grade based off of who they draft and that's a scary proposition as we as we know with the jets and how they like to draft so it, it could get a little bit scary but i think with the way that everything seems to be falling this year it seems like it's already kind of in line so hopefully they can't bungle this one up too much yep 
Uh, now onto the AFC North, starting with the Baltimore Ravens. Really, just a lot of resigning with two. One really big signing, one uh, kind of replacement signing. You brought in Kevin Zeitler with Marshall Yonder retiring a few years ago. Uh, Zeitler's getting up there in age, but he's still a serviceable guard uh, to be able to protect Lamar Jackson. But the big one here is they brought in Sammy Watkins on a one-year, $6 million deal. You give Lamar a, a number one receiver that can't stay healthy. Yeah. Um there's a little bit of good that came from this signing. It's a one-year, $6 million deal, $5 million guaranteed. It's not going to break your bank if it doesn't pan out. And you do address what has, for me, been the biggest sticking point for this, this Ravens team. I think we're so quick to say that Lamar Jackson can't pass or do anything like this, but his best receiver, and by a long shot during his – his time in Baltimore has been Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown is a really good young player with a lot of potential, but he is nowhere near the radar of the best wide receivers in the league. Sammy Watkins at this point in his career really isn't either, but it's been injury concerns. And he, I will say he is one of those guys that I just feel like I've waited his entire career for it all to just click. And if he could stay healthy, which feels like the first thing, out of anybody's mouth when they talk about Sammy Watkins but if he can stay healthy this could be a home run now do I expect it to be no because like I said it it's always the sticking point with Watkins can he stay healthy and the answer has just been no but whatever amount of time you are able to get from Sammy Watkins you are going to get a better receiver and an upgrade over whoever else would have been playing for you so for that reason i do like this signing right i don't like it but i don't hate it uh, like i said i think it can pan out but i also think it could fall right on its face but even if that happens the worst case scenario you're out five million dollars it's not like you took this home run swing on a, a player that you know you're giving four years to and and you know halfway through year one you realize wow we we fumbled we dropped the bag right here. So uh, I, I don't, I like it for that reason. And they did, like you said, kind of just re-sign a lot of players that I liked on their team. They kept Pernell McPhee, LJ Fort, Derek Wolf, Ty Spouser. Those were all really, really good. And four really, really good defensive linemen for that team. And that was definitely a strength for this defense. So to be able to, especially, you know, keep all those players, I think it's, it bodes really well for the Ravens, but they do still have question marks. And I still think they need wide receiver help. And I'm starting to think with some of the people that have left their team, they're going to need a little bit more on defense and they need another running back. Yeah. I I'm curious to see what the Ravens are going to do in the draft, but overall their free agency was okay. I would have liked to see them go out there and try and get, a different receiver other than Sammy Watkins. I would have liked them to like to see them try and sign Keelan Cole. Uh, I think that would have been an interesting pickup. But I mean, if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, then we'll see. But now on to the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost a lot, but they they got some good players back in it. It. They did lose A.J. Green. They lost 
William Jackson. They lost Carl Lawson. And while they didn't bring in a receiver to replace A.J. Green, because I think they already have a, a good young receiving core to build around, they brought in what I thought was probably one of the best cornerback free agents in, the, in this class, and that's Mike Hilton. On a on a pretty respectable deal, a four-year, $24 million, and eight and a half in the first year. Yeah, I... I kind of started off for agency absolutely hating the at least the initial kind of track that the team was going under. I, I didn't like the fact that they were, like you said, losing the three best players that they had going into free agency, A.J. Green, William Jackson, and Carl Lawson. But they were able to they were able to kind of rebound from that. Trey Hendrickson is a guy who had a really big year for the Saints last year. He's still young. Has, I mean, if he can replicate that, that'll be really, really awesome. But uh, this is the thing for me that I, I don't like Trey Hendrickson over Carl Lawson. All of the advanced statistics point to Carl Lawson being the better option. Trey Hendrickson, uh, I'll just break it down the way it kind of works for advanced analytics. There's a, a it's basically the amount of time that you can affect the quarterback. And Carl Lawson is like twice as high as Trey Hendrickson in this category. And the sack numbers don't back that up, but that just means that Carl Lawson on average is there. And sacks are just a number to represent how many times you can actually get the quarterback down, not how many times you can affect the quarterback and force them to make a bad play or something that they don't want. And I think Carl Lawson's a lot better of a player at doing that than Trey Hendrickson. But we'll have to see. I, I really do think that he could still use the last season as a jumping board, prove that he deserves to be, you know, renowned as a really good player in this league. They got Larry Ogunjobi, who I liked a lot, and you hit it on the head. They made a lot of moves in the secondary that made me realize that losing William Jackson wasn't the worst thing in the world. I think they got, for one, I think they got another one of my kind of sleeper favorite uh, cornerbacks in the entire free agency class, Chidobi Awuzie. I am very, very surprised that the Cowboys let Awuzie go. I always thought that he was probably their best cornerback ever since Byron Jones left. And he is not going to get a huge deal, but I think he's going to perform really, really well. I still don't think he's reached his full potential, and I think that he could be a great player. So I do like that. I like their free agent class, but I don't like how much – I don't really like how much they lost and I don't like the replacements coming in to fill them, at least in the Trey Hendrickson situation, the Chidobia Wuzie over William Jackson. I love that. And they also have Mike Hilton. The secondary is a lot better, but I, I now have more questions about the rest of the team. See, I was fine with them letting AJ Green go. I would have liked them to see them maybe get something out of it, like a, a pick or two, but in all reality, you have a super young quarterback and a super young receiving core and AJ green doesn't fit the timeline. So I thought it was fine for them to let him go, but letting go Carl Lawson and signing Trey Hendrickson on basically the same deal that the Jets signed Carl Lawson on just one year less. Doesn't really make sense to me, but who knows? Maybe the Bengals know something we don't. Yeah. And that's, like I said, that's, the main sticking point for me 
I liked Carl Lawson a lot better. I find it hard to believe that they didn't also feel the same. I mean, Carl Lawson was in their team, in their facility that whole time. And maybe that played a factor in it. Maybe they, like you said, kind of know something that we don't. But as of right now, I like Carl Lawson as a better player. I could be wrong about this, but we'll have to see. Maybe they got it right. Maybe I'm wrong. Now, moving on to the Cleveland Browns. Not a, another not big free agency class, but bringing in guys that they needed back. They were able to secure Rashad Higgins on a one-year deal, which is big for them. Uh, I think Higgins was one of the better receivers in this free agency class and be able to, being able to keep him around for just another year uh, to prove his worth, see if this one really this one good year wasn't just a fluke year. Um, they brought back Malcolm Smith. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly I feel about that one. But they brought in John Johnson from the Rams. This was the best DB in the class, and they got him. Yeah, you hit it on the head. They got the best safety in my mind, and and I think that's huge. For one, I've already really liked the direction that this Browns defense has been moving, and I'm starting to like it a whole lot more. Uh, for one, they took a chance, a flyer on Tack McKinley. He came into the league really, really good his first couple of years has really t- fallen off after that uh, for really reasons that I can't explain. I-, I do think that there's a shot that at 25 years old, he still figures it out somewhere. And if I had to guess, it'd be a pretty good place to start trying to figure it out. If you could do it anywhere else on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. So I think that matches up really well. I love Malik Jackson signing. <clears throat> now Malik Jackson could really never turn into the player that the Eagles thought that they were signing when we signed him. But I will tell you, after he he missed his first year with us with an injury, the year that he played for us last year when he was healthy, he played awesome. And it's not a statistical kind of awesome. It's just a watch the game and watch how he works kind of awesome. He is constantly in the backfield wreaking havoc and like I said he doesn't always get the sack but he just forces so much chaos and to be on a defensive line like I already said with Miles Garrett there's so much attention on that man that he's gonna have a lot of opportunities and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a hell of a season for the Browns this year but you were also right I mean John Johnson was the guy I mean I wanted the Eagles to get him more than anything He's a great, great player. I, I talked about it when we were doing our, you know, look ahead to free agency. I talked about how I, I thought he really pinpointed him and just thought that he was one of the best players in this class when, you know, what all he's done, age, potential, how much better he can get in the future. When all of that is combined, I think that he's going to be a great player. And to get him on a three-year, $34 million deal is fantastic. You're paying him about the same amount of money on a three-year deal that Nelson Aguilar is going to get on a two-year deal. I don't think that there is any argument that John Johnson is a way better player than Nelson Aguilar. And for that, and this is a home run for me. This defense for the Browns is really on paper, at least starting to look really scary. I mean, you already have Denzel Ward there. I mean, if Greedy Williams can develop into the player, everyone thought he was going to be. And then adding John Johnson to that secondary who was 
on one of the better defenses in the Rams last year. It's going to look like a really good year for the Browns to win the AFC North. Also, you bring back a, a reliable kicker in Cody Parkey. Um, I've always been a fan of Cody Parkey, so bringing him back is is nice. It's only on a one-year deal, but you never really secure kickers on multiple-year deals, it seems like, nowadays. But, yeah, I, I like this free agent class. I really like what they were able to do defensively, like I said. And it really set them up to be able to really address a lot of their offensive flaws when it comes to the free or when it comes to the draft. So I think that's kind of key when you look at free agency because you can't ever look at it. it. It's really just like step one of the off season. It first comes free agency and then comes the draft. So I, I do think the Browns put themselves in a really good position to knock this one out of the park with just a couple really good offensive picks. I, I do think they need wide receiver help. They still have that whole OBJ situation, which I don't know how it will be resolved if they're going to try it and run it back again and see if it's going to look this year. I don't know. But I do know that they need more offensive help and a couple more playmakers. And so for that reason, I think that they set themselves up in a great position. Yeah, if you can get Baker one more weapon and maybe one other offensive lineman, I think the the Browns can be the best team in the league if – the Bucks aren't as good as last year, but who knows? This Browns team is looking really scary if they can put everything together. Absolutely. Now, on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't really have a big free agency. It was just a lot of small signings and re-signings. But the really interesting deal is Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year $8 million salary and $1 million base salary with a $7 million signing bonus so juju is on very thin ice right now this is his prove year after having a downright terrible year last year yeah um I, it was kind of weird how it all the signs appeared to the fact that juju was going to be gone in free agency because i'll be honest even when he was during the regular season, I never considered that to be a thing. I never thought that they would move away from Juju. I know that they have other good young wide receivers, but I don't think that even what I've seen between Deontay Johnson and, oh, what's his name? From Notre Chase Dame. Claypool. Chase Claypool. Thank you so much. Uh, between both of those guys, I still don't even think what I've seen from them matches the kind of potential that I've seen from what – Juju has been able to do in the NFL and he's so young at 24 years old. There's no chance I'm going to let him or allow him the opportunity to figure it out with a different team. You're going to have to figure it out here. That's the way I would look at it if I was the Steelers. And so I was very, very happy for the Steelers that they were able to get him. I wasn't very happy as an Eagles fan when I found out that the, the Eagles were quietly, another team that was involved and, and apparently was really making a push to sign him. So as an Eagles fan, I don't love it, but for the Steelers, you had to keep him in my mind. Like I said, I think a lot of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, but I just don't think that they have the same kind of ceilings that Juju has. And it was a rough year, but I do expect a bounce back for him. And I think the scariest proposition is a prove it deal for a kind of guy that has the potential of Juju Smith Schuster. 
I mean, I think this could have a huge season written all over it for Juju. And I wouldn't be surprised because, like I said, I do think a lot of Juju and I have since he was coming into the league. So I'm not ready to pump the brakes on him just yet. I've always I always like to stand by players and just because it's not working or wasn't working last year. And he started to kind of, I don't know, just not be 100% invested in just football. It seemed to be a little bit more about the antics and everything else. So for that reason, I like the signing. But there are some other holes for this for the Steelers team. They, they need to get better when it comes to running the ball. I think James Conner is a good running back, but he did not play as well as we probably should have last year. There was the injuries, and I know, but the Steelers have got to be able to run the ball better, especially with the way that Roethlisberger is getting in his career. And that sets me up to my next point. I would have liked to see for how many good, young, decent quarterbacks that have potential that were in this club for that were in this free agency. I would have li- really, really liked to see Pittsburgh get one of them, just one of them, because. They are the team or exhibit 1A of all the teams in the league that I think need to start thinking about another a succession plan. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is probably, in my opinion, coming into his last year this year. So you're, your team is still good. Like You're still going to have a chance to compete after he's gone, but not if you don't have the right person to be able to put in there to succeed him. So I would have liked to see them just a one-year flyer on maybe a Bursette or something like that to see if, you know, by the end of next year, if you really liked everything that you saw in practice, think that he's the guy, you don't have a good enough pick to be able to get one of the best quarterbacks. Roll with Bursette, you know, something like that. I would have liked that a little bit of forward thinking from the Steelers. Obviously that didn't happen. I, I have to dock them for that because that was something I thought that they just need to address. And they still can in the draft, but it's not going to be one of the quarterbacks that are probably going to be able to make a difference. I think all the quarterbacks that are, you know, that caliber in the draft will probably be gone by the middle of the first round. And that's not what the Steelers are picking. So, Yeah, uh, I don't know how to feel about the Steelers. I mean, signing Juju on that small contract and letting him prove himself was a good thing, but yeah, I would have liked them to see get a guy like Trubisky or Jacoby Brissett. But I mean, the Steelers are going to do what they want to do. You can't really expect anything from that team. That's going to be like a, a huge, huge move. They're, I feel like the Steelers are probably one of the most homegrown kind of teams. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And, and it's also just you know, they also weren't really a team in a position to be able to go out and make a lot of splashes. They had to do a, a couple of things to just be able to kind of make a juju situation work. And they had to get really, really creative when it came to how the exact cap numbers are going to work out for him. So, you know, they weren't in a huge position. They did, you know, still retain a lot of talent that I thought that they needed to. And so I like that. And they, they did also kind of add some more players. And so for that reason, I do like it, but there was things that I, I wanted them to address that they just simply didn't. And I understand the cap might not have been able to make it work, but there's no way you could convince me that they couldn't have put in a competitive offer for Brissett or Trubisky, like you were saying. Who knows? Um, Now moving on to the AFC South. 
starting with the the good old Houston Texans. And I don't think we can start off talking about the Houston Texans without bringing up the whole Deshaun Watson controversy. Um, I believe it's now up to 21 lawsuits against Watson. Um, it's not looking great for him. I I really hope they're all false, or most of them are false claims, if not all of them. You hate to see this happen to a, a guy as big as Watson, uh, one of the most beloved players in the NFL, uh, just starting to get blackballed, it seems like. Something is, is definitely going on here. Um, I know it's a, it's a very serious situation, and obviously, you know, we would never condone any of the kind of things that he's accused of. But the one thing that I, I think just I, you have to kind of approach the situation it with is a little bit of skepticism. I've seen this story before. False accusations against uh, famous men happen all the time, and there are a lot of times where famous men abuse their power and do things that they – that no, no person should do. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, he, all these accusations shouldn't have come out because if there's something behind it, even one of these, you know, cases that have been brought up, something needs to happen. But if not, I think this is a terrible, terrible attempt at the assassination of a character that I think a lot of people beloved. Like you said, Deshaun Watson is, I had never really heard a bad thing about him uh, until this happened or even kind of up until the, the whole trade situation. I just never really heard any controversy from him. And so to have, like you said, 21 cases kind of appear at once is very, very alarming. And it is a situation that we have to watch very, very closely and see how it unfolds. But I'm not going to get on here and say that he's guilty or innocent at this point in time because I don't know the facts that is for the people that know those facts to decide and I will trust you know what conclusion they come to but until that point I don't think you should you can really speculate it on too much because like I said it it's going to go one of two ways and either way unfortunately just due to the nature of the situation is it's going to be pretty fucked up yeah I no matter what happens in the situation whether it's true or false I'm hoping if if it is true, the victims get something out of it. And if it is false, Deshaun Watson can get back to living a somewhat normal life as an NFL player. Um, But I think that's all I have to say on that. Um, Agreed. And I'm glad that you brought that up because it is something that needs to be touched on. But now going into their free agency recap, and my God, did they just go out and sign what seems like every position? Um, they did bring in two quarterbacks, uh, just in case Deshaun Watson isn't playing this fall. One of them being Tyrod Taylor. I feel like Tyrod on this team can be very interesting. Um. I've never feel like Tyrod has gotten a, a true shot to be a a starting a true starting quarterback. I mean, he had his time in Buffalo for that one year where he got into the playoffs. But other than that, he's never had a true shot. Agreed. And I think this is a perfect situation for him. Uh, it's just kind of been Tyrod's, you know, 
career trajectory at this point. He, he goes wherever any kind of quarterback controversy may be. And sadly, something that often follows that is a, a really good draft pick. Or, you know, anytime you're on a poor performing team, you get a good draft pick. And a lot of times that pick is spent on a quarterback. And so he's been in a lot of situations where he's kind of allowed younger quarterbacks to take the reins and take over for him. And, and that has nothing to do with him. It's just the fact that the team has so much invested in a young player that they want to see them play. And I completely understand that. But this could be a situation where Tyrod really kind of shows people why he is off for a long time now deserved a shot in this league. He is a really, really good quarterback. And like you said, he took the Bills to the playoffs during a time when the Bills were a lot closer to the Bills that we used to know. It, it, we're not talking about the Josh Allen Bills now. That team was closer to bad Bills of, of the past than good pills of good Bills of the present. So for that reason, I think that it kind of goes to show just how good of a quarterback Tyrod can be. And I also like the other quarterback they acquired. Ryan Finley is a guy who has had multiple times where he's played really good football for the Bengals. And the fact that they were able to just basically get him for free, I mean, the trade with the late round pick swap, that's huge. I mean, he's a guy that you're never going to have to worry about and will always provide you with great quarterback depth, whether Deshaun Watson is there or not. And the same thing can be said for Tyrod Taylor. For so, so for that reason, you can never have enough talented quarterbacks. So I love those moves, especially with the kind of controversy they went around. They have a starting and a potential backup quarterback lined up with or without Watson. That, that's a great place to be, whether you're planning on winning or losing games next season. If you have, At least if you have both of those boxes checked, you're in an okay position. You can breathe. Everything will be fine. They also brought in Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. Um, I think it just got kind of – you have to reiterate it at this point. The trade didn't work. David Johnson did not provide whatever Bill O'Brien thought he was going to provide that DeAndre Hopkins couldn't. It did not work. Here we are the very next year after the trade and you're signing two running backs on virtually identical deals, probably just to see whichever one of them can play better and be your running back next year. I mean, because that's what they need. David Johnson played well but I mean he had nowhere near the impact that he was you know expected I guess to have just only because the expectation was he should do a lot because we traded Hopkins for him uh, I think it was silly but either way they, they addressed that they signed a lot of wide receivers um God, so many receivers yeah uh Chris Conley decent decent uh, they're all pretty decent receivers I think the only one that really takes the needle either way um, out of this entire crew is uh, probably Dante Moncrief or Andre Roberts. Both of those guys, you probably see a good amount on Sundays next year. And they both offer you some pretty good play. I mean, just for a team like this, this Texas team that was, has been gutted by trades and, and free agency and departures and players wanting to be traded. It is just so much working against this team that they just almost had to be able to put a team on the field next year. So a lot of these players are just, you know, insurance players, but there are some, are some difference makers in here. Camus Grugier-Hill, I love. All-time Eagle, I love everything that he did for us. He's an awesome, awesome player. Jordan Jenkins and Christian Kirksey are two other really, really strong linebackers. 
I like the defense I liked. I thought they had a really good offseason defensively and the quarterback position as well. Marcus Cannon, a really good offensive lineman, got him in a trade from the New England Patriots. He will come add something to this team. They have Shaq Lawson. It never really panned out in Miami for him, but he's got another chance. Malik Collins, like Desmond King, Vernon Hargraves, they brought him back. I, I do like the defensive moves a lot. But like I said, it, this a lot of this is just things that needed to happen for this team to be able to build a roster next year. Now, I will say, if this was 2016, Mark Ingram and David Johnson would be the most terrifying backfield in the league. But it's not. It's 2021. So, now I will say, I really like the Vernon Hargreaves and Desmond King signing uh, for secondary. I think Vernon Hargreaves was cut way too early from the Bucks. He had a very, very promising future. Um, and then Houston re-signed him. He had a good season last year. I like it. And then Desmond King um, was traded away from the Chargers to the Titans. The, the, yeah, the Titans. Titans didn't want him back. No idea why, but him coming to this Texans team, it gives him a, another opportunity to prove that he is one of the better corners in the league. And it's on a, a team that doesn't really have a, a name for itself right now, so we'll we'll see how this works out. Um, really, the only big signings that I liked was bringing in Tyrod Taylor, uh, making the trade for Ryan Friendly. I like the Dante Moncrief signing to an extent, but then the the Vernon Hargreaves and Desmond King, those are the the big ones that I actually like. Yeah, agreed. And also, I would like to take the this time to, from the bottom of my heart, just say, what the fuck, Texans? Why would you sign the Eagles punter? Like, what is wrong with you? Who steals punters? I just had to get that one out of the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bro, the Texans stealing everyone. What do you mean? They need everything they got. They do. I just – why? <laughs> I've never heard of that. Like, why? Um. Now into the next AFC South team. We got the Indianapolis Colts. And as everyone knows, uh, what was probably the second biggest trade uh, before free agency happened, Carson Wentz was acquired for a, a 2021 third-round pick. And another and a 2022 second round pick. This gives Carson Wentz a, a fresh start. Um, I don't think Carson Wentz is trash. I've never been the kind of person. I just think his injury really threw him off the rails last year. And then having Jalen Hurts right behind him on trying to light a fire under his ass, it just the pressure got to him. They didn't really have a receiving core last year, so it was even worse. So him coming to, to Indianapolis, I think it's going to prove to be really, really good for him. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, I, I love Carson. I, if you didn't know I was an Eagles fan, you just found out about how mad I was about Cameron Johnson. So you can imagine, you know, how I may feel about this, this Wentz trade. And I've had a lot of time to reflect on it. I've spoke about it multiple times. I love Carson. I have since the minute we drafted him. I wish him nothing the best, whether it comes or 
the whole time that he's been with us, I've always wished him nothing but the best, whether it was with us or anyone else. And I, I can honestly say no matter where he ever goes in his career, I will always pull for him anytime he's not playing the Eagles because that's how much I just that's how much respect I have for Carson Wentz. I know that playing in Philadelphia can never be an easy thing. And you catch a lot of flack from a lot of our fans. And it's just passion. You have to understand that. And I just hope that, you know, nothing that was ever said about him really got to him in the wrong way. Because now I was never the person that was writing or saying these things about him. But I know the kind of effect that can probably have on you mentally. And I just know that the toll probably just wasn't healthy for him everything that was going on in Philadelphia. So I'm so glad that he's a chance at a fresh start. I'm so glad that it allows the Eagles to kind of embrace how not or talent bereft their roster actually is and kind of focus on the future because we couldn't, we just simply couldn't do that with his contract looming over our heads. And so the fact that, you know, we able to, we were able to put him in a place where he can compete, have an opportunity. There's a familiar face offensive coordinator, Frank Reich, but I'd, I'd kind of be kidding myself if I, if I didn't, you know, touch on the Colts and their free agent class. But just kind of saying, like, if this Carson Wentz situation doesn't work, it's a failure. It's an absolute failure. I mean, I, I do think Carson Wentz will play well in Indianapolis. But I do think that it's not a perfect situation. I don't think that they're much more talented – you know, around him offensively, at least, than the Eagles are. I do think they have some better pieces. T.Y. Hilton fell off a cliff last year, uh, started playing well around the second half of the season. He, he's back with the team again, but I'm not sure, you know, how, really how much you can expect from him. And I think it's safe to say that, you know, even though the Eagles don't never really put amazing receivers around him, I think it's safe to say that he had better receiving cores during his time in Philadelphia health, you know, not considered, but I, I do worry a little bit about the surrounding things. They were able to bring back Xavier Rhodes, though. I love that. They need to keep this defense as strong as it can be, because if they don't add playmakers in the offseason, I kind of worry if this could be a similar situation to Wentz in Philly. It's just, I do think that he has a great shot of turning his career around, but I, I do worry if, you know, maybe he never gets back to that point pre-injury where he's as talented of a guy to make people around him better that's the question mark for me I hope that he can I truly do because like I said I love Carson but I, I'm just not sure because what it was really hard to watch him last year I forced myself to watch all of those Eagle games a lot of games that people wouldn't even watch the highlights from on YouTube I watched every snap of them and it was hard to watch I, I couldn't even you know bring myself to believe that it was the same Carson that I'd watched for years previously. So I really do think that it's, it was probably just mental factors. And I really hope that you can get, get past those with the Colts. And I think it'll just be nice for a fresh scenery. Things had just felt cursed ever since the Eagles had won the Super Bowl. It just injuries after injuries, after injuries, every year, it felt like as a fan, at least, you know, I felt like I could put an asterisk beside it because we would just have one position group. And then this last season, every position group that, was so injured we had no hope of even being able to compete in that aspect of the game so I do think that you know the fact that he's coming to this Colts team with a strong offensive line and a strong defense provides him a strong base to work with and if they can get him a couple playmakers I would love their chances to really compete in the AFC
you you touched on it saying the offensive line. That's my big thing is I think Carson Wentz has the talent to make people around him better. Just the offensive line in Philly was absolutely terrible. So him playing behind one of the better offensive lines in the NFL is going to help boost his confidence and be able to make those playmakers around him better. Um, but the last big signing out or somewhat big re-signing I want to talk about, you bring back Marlon Mack on a one-year deal. I think having him behind um, Jonathan Taylor will be nice uh, just in case Taylor goes down with an injury or if he's not uh, fully healthy. So having Marlon Mack there is going to be nice. Can you hear me? Yep. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to be sure you could hear me. I. I So as long as these Colts can address just a little bit of playmaking worries that I have through the draft and, and, you know, just continue adding to the rest of this roster as a whole, because it it is a good, strong base. And like I said, it's really just riding on Carson Wentz and and what he's able to do in his, you know, reclamation experiment. It was a costly trade for this Colts team to go out and get him. It, It didn't cost the amount of assets that probably, you know, the Eagles or Eagles fans were expecting, but just to inherit that contract is a big commitment. It's basically kind of like the Colts inked that. I mean, the Eagles ate a part of it, but the Colts are now responsible for it. So for that reason, he needs to be their highest priority. Um, now moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They really seemed like they're – gearing up to bring in Trevor Lawrence. They brought in some some good receivers. They brought in Marvin Jones from the Lions, who is going to be a very, very good receiver for this team. They brought in Philip Dorsett. They brought in Jamal Agnew, who's a speed demon. Uh, they franchise tag uh, Cam Robinson, who is a good tackle. It's just looking like they're trying to gear this offense up to be ready for Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. And and that's really what you kind of have to do. Um, I, I will say one thing. The Jamal Agnew situ- uh, signing was interesting to me. I don't love it only because I think $21 million, $7 million a, d- a year is the exact same thing that Marvin Jones got. But he Agnew got three years. He's really just a return man. I can't think of a single returner who doesn't offer you something as a wide receiver or running back or as a skill position player, cornerback, or whatever position they may play. I can't think of any one of them that who makes $7 million a year and plays both of those positions. And here's Agnew who only returns kicks, and he's getting, he's getting that. I don't think he's worth that. And to go, just to go to show, I mean, they gave Marvin Jones the same deal, and – you saw the kind of production that Marvin Jones was able to do. And Agnew was a wide receiver on that same team for the Lions. So I don't really understand that. But they are wide receivers who will help Trevor Lawrence, which is awesome. One thing that I would have liked a little bit more, yes, they franchise tag Cam Robinson. And hopes are that after a, a, a better year last year, he can finally tap into what a lot of people thought he would be. 
but they're going to need a lot more help on the offensive line. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is coming to town, and it has to be objective 1A to do anything possible to make his life easy. It's surrounding him with as many playmakers and big bodies in front of him as you possibly can. And I, they still have time to do that through the draft, but your first pick is already going to Trevor Lawrence. Everything after that needs to be help keeping him upright because I do not like this, this offensive line that much for the Jaguars. But they got a little bit of defensive help. I, I really like the Shaquille Griffin signing. Um, I, I thought that he was probably the best cornerback overall. And they brought back Sidney Jones, who uh, they kind of took a, a flyer on. Uh, Philly cut him last year, and he played really well for the Jaguars. I was happy to see him play well. Uh, really, really happy for him. And so I think overall this is a pretty – this is a pretty good – um, free agency class. A little worried about Rashawn Jenkins, though. Um, he's a good player, but uh, I'm not. I'm not willing to say that he's almost forty million dollars. Uh, not even close. I think there were, especially with how many really talented safeties were in this class overall. Uh, Thirty-five million dollar contract. It's only sixteen million fully guaranteed, but. It's a lot of money for a guy that I don't even know if if he starts for you. I mean, hell, you got Rudy Ford for two years, 4.2. Yeah. Who, granted, not as great as Rashawn Jenkins, but just shows cap-wise, I think Rashawn Jenkins is maybe worth like $20 million over four years. Yeah, it's uh, something and even that is probably a little bit too high in my opinion honestly Rudy Ford is is a guy who another former Eagle he's probably one of the best special teams players in the entire league and so to get him for two 4.2 that you will love that he will have a very defined role every game day and he does it as well as anybody he's a real special teams kind of gem always making plays on that on that you know aspect of the football game so I absolutely love that for them but like I said there's some hits in here and there's some misses in here if I had to grade this one I'd give it a solid C they they have I'm looking at this and it's still a lot of work to do now on to a team that I think just lost so much this offseason that's the Tennessee Titans uh of course, they lost Jonu Smith. They lost Corey Davis. But if you all see, the, if y'all on Instagram, Derrick Henry is doing these insane workouts. So I, I don't know what that man is on. But I think they got back the best pass rusher in free agency and Bud Dupree on a five-year deal, which is fantastic. Also able to bring in Janoris Jenkins on a, a multi-year deal. Kevin Johnson. Uh, you bring in uh, Kendall Lamb for offensive tackle. Those are really the only <laughs> big-name tr- deals. This this Titans team is looking iffy this year. Yeah. Uh, I think they had a decent um, you know, free agency. 
like you, you touched on it, I thought that the the biggest things here are probably uh, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, Janoris Jenkins, uh, retain Jayon Brown. Those are all really good deals, and it really helps to, you know, keep the defense where they were, but you touched on it. The, the offense is what's going to take the step back. And especially for me, I thought a big thing that was really – I mean, they didn't lose their, their ace up their sleeve in King Henry, but they may have lost a lot of the pieces as to why he was so good. They weren't as one-dimensional as a lot of people like to think that they were. You know, Derrick Henry is a huge part of what they do, obviously. But a lot of it also had to do with Ryan Tannehill and how much he he was able to be benefited by not only the receiving core, but also Derrick Henry himself. So for that reason, you know, the wide receivers will always have an easier job on a team like the Titans. But to lose as many of the people that you knew and had rapport with is going to hurt. I mean, they've only added Josh Reynolds to help alleviate that. And I'm not – I'm not sold on him coming in with a huge role. I mean, A.J. Brown is going to have to – he better be doing the same workouts that King Henry's doing because he's going to have to be basically King Henry on the wide, of the wide receiving core. Yep. Um. Now, moving on to the AFC West, starting with the Denver Broncos. They went hard in the secondary. You bring in Ronald Darby on a three-year $30 million deal, and you bring in Kyle Fuller who was just randomly cut by the Bears for God knows what reason on a one-year $9.5 million deal. Bring back Kareem Jackson. You give Justin Justin Simmons the franchise tag. This secondary is terrifying. The only thing this team needs now is a quarterback. Yeah, that'll be the – that's the must for them to address. Um, And Based on the fact that – they're kind of sitting there at pick number nine. They didn't really touch on any quarterbacks in the offseason. I, I think it seems clear they're probably looking to add somebody in the draft. Uh, I'm really intrigued. I think they're one of the most intriguing picks in that kind of first 10. I think they'll have a lot of say about how, you know, every pick after them goes based off of what they choose to do. But yeah, they hit the secondary hard. Justin Simmons uh, got the. He at first it looked like he was going to get the franchise tag. I'm glad that he finally was able to agree to a deal. He, he signed a four-year, $61 million contract that's $35 million in guarantees. He is one of the league's best safeties. Uh, we were talking about John Johnson earlier. Justin Simmons is probably even better than him. And for that reason, that's obviously a huge get. Kareem Jackson is another really, really strong safety. He's been in the league for a long time, made the conversion from cornerback to safety a while ago and it has really looked a lot a whole lot sharper ever since that transition to safety so he's a really really solid player and then Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller are as good of a cornerback duo as you could probably ask for I'm just going to say I watched Ronald Darby and he's very much so a hit or miss kind of a cornerback but just physically he's such a good matchup for all of these uber athletic wide receivers in the league he's undersized only about five foot eleven but he's always step for step with these insanely fast and super athletic guys. And so for that reason, he just is a great guy to just match up with these freaks of the league. And Kyle Fuller is as good of a cornerback as there is in the league. I know a lot of people may not know him because he's, 
He's not one of those trendy, you know, always in the news kind of cornerbacks, but he just is quiet, lunch pail kind of guy, goes about his business and gets it done. If you've ever watched Kyle Fuller take on the challenge of guarding one of the league's best wide receivers, you know why he has as much respect around the league as he has. Yeah, Kyle Fuller uh, finally getting off that Bears team is a, a blessing in disguise coming to this absolutely stacked defense now if Von Miller and uh, Bradley Chubb come back healthy. Um, Now on to the Kansas City Chiefs, who started off their offseason cutting two of some of the best offense tackles in the league in Mitchell Schwartz and – um. What's his other? What's the other guy's name? Um, Mike. Oh no. Oh, Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher. Yes. And I I saw a stat on Instagram that Pat Mahomes is sixty and six with Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher starting, and is six and six without them there. But to combat that, Kyle Long came out of retirement, which is fantastic for him. Mm-hmm. Uh. I love Kyle Long. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer once he fully retires. You bring in Joe Thune from, I believe it was the New England Patriots, and then Mike Remmers. I don't think Mike Remmers is near the status of Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. But just having someone there is going to be nice that you know can block. Yeah. And I, I think – for the Chiefs, you already touched on the home run. Uh, I think on paper it looks like Joe Tooney. Uh, he is a awesome guard, one of the one of the best in the league right now. But I, I, to me, I think it's Kyle Long because Kyle Long is is a guy that, like you said, it, it came out of retirement. He's a great, great player, and the fact that the the Chiefs were able to get him, especially in a climate where no teams were you know, actively probably pursuing Kyle Long. I know that he had said that he was, you know, making the push to come out of retirement and all of that, that the love was there again. But the way it seems, it wasn't a huge market around it around him. And I think it's a perfect situation for him. I think he fills uh, a need for them and he's going to fill it really well. I mean, it, the way that I've already heard him talk about coming out of retirement, it seems like that love for football is back with him. And it's a scary proposition when you talk about a player who's as good as Kyle Long. So they were also able to, to keep Demarcus Robinson, young guy who I really, really like. Austin Blythe comes there, center, another good offensive line move. Taco Charlton got re-signed, and they got Jaron Reed. So I, I, I like their moves. I mean, they are very much so still the Chiefs. Offensive line looked like it was going to be an area of concern, but based off of the moves that they've made, I don't really think it is. They could definitely still use some help, but to, you know, to be in a position – where they're good at a majority of the places on their team. They only have a couple of holes to fill, and they're not picking with great picks just based off of how good they are. But they'll be able to really pinpoint guys that they want. And if they go get some good guys in the draft, I mean, I would not be surprised with or without good guys from the draft if we see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. If they can find a a diamond in the rough for that other offensive tackle position to line up next to Mike Remmers, that'd be really good for Pat Mahomes. Um, I'm not sure how if Mike Remmers is going to be playing blindside for Mahomes or not. Um, we'll see what Andy Reid ends up saying, or if they go after a tackle in the in the draft. But 
that's really the only necessary thing I think this team really needs left. So we we will see how the Chiefs plan to deal with that. Um, but now on to the Las Vegas Raiders. They bring in Kenyon Drake. Um, so another absolute speed demon for John Gruden. Uh, Zay Jones, Willie Sneed, and they brought in Yannick Nagakwe. So this is that's gonna be interesting. Oh, I'm sorry, another speed demon, John Brown, uh, just for even more s- speed, which I don't think they really need more of. Yeah, they, they are definitely pinpointing speed, which is definitely a good thing to focus on. I'm not sure if Derek Carr is, you know, ex- really has the arm talent, I guess I would say, to kind of make the most of it. But speed is always good, and just threat of it being there is a lot. They took a chance with a guy that I like, Solomon Thomas. It really never worked out for him with the 49ers. If it never does, he's on a one-year, $5 million contract. So I think it's a good chance to, a chance to take. And you're right. They did get Yannick Ngakwe. And I'm a lot lower on a lot of people than Yannick Ngakwe. I think he's, his value is a little bit inflated. I, I think people get a little bit too caught up with the numbers game with him. I think that, you know, he's another one of those guys that, advanced analytics kind of seem to point against but he does seem to always find a way to make his way back there around the quarterback so there's something to be said about that and he will wreak some pressure so uh, that will help and the Raiders have defensive line problems I mean they've tried to figure it out and get it to work with some of the homegrown guys that they got there it wasn't working it's finally starting to kind of dissipate and they're trying to figure it out Max Crosby is really the only one that I, I really trust on their team right now. Honestly, I mean, Clellan Farrell was taken way before him in that same draft, but has, has not looked nearly as good. So hopefully Ngakwe can just provide them with some sort of pressure off of the edge and some fill some kind of role for them. But um, yeah, this is just a decent free agent class to me. I, I like the moves that they made. Don't love anything really all that much. Don't hate anything all that much. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Nothing like nothing that truly stands out to me on this list besides maybe Kenyon Drake. But I mean, when you have Josh Jacobs already back there, what what do you need for another running back? Yeah. Um, now rounding off the AFC with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I'm going to be completely honest. I think they got the steal of free agency at center with Corey Lindsley, locking it up for five years. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Corey Lindsley is, is a fantastic player. And to be able to get him and, and kind of – first of all, I just want to say I like this strategy for the Chargers. They, to, the, I haven't really seen it done like this. Build your offensive line inside out. I think one of the most underrated positions on the entire football field is the center position. They're asked to do a lot on a play-by-play basis, and I don't think a lot of people recognize how hard their job is. I mean, for one, they have to focus on getting a pinpoint snap right in the gut of their quarterback. And then by the time they're done focusing on that, they got to whip their head up and say hello to some 345-pound guy. And it's not just some guy. Most of those guys run – 
sub five second 40 yard dashes and put up 30 reps on the bench press. So, I mean, it's just not some average guy that they're then tasked with blocking. And to be able to have a guy like Corey Lindsley, man, that position for you is going to be huge. They found their quarterback and now it's just about building around him. For that reason, this is the first, you know, kind of domino to fall in that move. I love Corey Lindsley. He's going to be a staple in this offensive line for all five years of this contract. And I bet he plays five amazing years of football under this contract for the Chargers. Uh, they also brought in Matt Filer from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was a good tackle for them. Uh, they brought in Jared Cook uh, to try and replace what Hunter Henry left them. They bring in Chase Daniel as a backup quarterback. I'm fine with that. Uh, Chase Daniel is a serviceable backup. I mean, we saw what he was able to do against the Browns, uh, lead that game-winning drive. And then really just – some re-signings to bring back key players. I mean, you brought back Brandon Faison. You brought back Michael Davis. Uh, not a huge free agency class, but Corey Lindsley was the, the big key here. Agreed. Now, moving on to the NFC East, starting off with the Dallas Cowboys, you got Dak Prescott on a four-year, $160 million contract. Um, <clears throat> the most guaranteed money for a quarterback from a contract until the next big name quarterback is signed again, probably one of these up and coming guys like Herbert or Burrow. Yeah. But other than that, they didn't really do much. Yeah. They, it, it's obvious that, you know, Dak Prescott was the one offensive signing other than an offensive tackle. So it, it, you know, it was obvious about what the Cowboys were trying to do in free agency. And I kind of liked it. I, I, I really like Terrell Basham and Keanu Neal. Um, I think Keanu Neal was fantastic for a couple of years with the Falcons. Injuries happened, fell off, wasn't able to kind of get back to that same place where that he once was, but he gets a chance to kind of have a rep reclamation year here with the Cowboys. And I think he will play really well in that role. Keanu Neal is a good player. Uh, I like that. I touched on this earlier when we were talking about the Bengals. The Cowboys opted for Jordan Lewis over Chidobe Awuzie. I don't like that. I, I would have the opposite rather happened. I would have liked to see if it had to be like that and you could only pick one. I would have much rather it have been Awuzie than Jordan Lewis. I just think Awuzie is a better player right now, and I think Awuzie is a better future ahead of him. Uh, only time will tell. I could be very wrong about that. But yeah, I don't love that one. Um, and they also signed uh, DeMonte Kazee, who, or KZ, who is uh, another uh, really good safety coming from the Falcons. And I, I don't – like those signings, the, the Keanu Neal, Terrell Basham, and Kazee signings, I like. Other than that, nothing pushes – pushed the dial for me and even Keanu Neal and Kazee like they'd have to play the best football they've played in years for it to really even add that much to their team like I, I still think they're just kind of placeholders in the secondary so uh, they didn't get a single difference maker in, in that part of the game in my regards and granted it is probably very hard to when you ink your quarterback to a 
$126 million guaranteed. So it could have been easy, but I would have liked to see them take maybe a bigger swing for someone in the secondary. I think the Cowboys are going to have to realize at some point for the secondary, if you have a star player in that area of the field, it makes everyone around them better. And they have lacked a star player in that on that end of the football field for a long time. And they've had decent players come in and out through the doors trying to be that guy. And none of them have been that guy, but they all seem to have decent careers. They're not bad by any means, but they're just not the star that the Cowboys are looking for. And they didn't get one in this free agency class either. So we'll, we'll see how the Cowboys look. Um, their defense was their big concern last year uh, before Dak Prescott went down and then just everything fell to shambles. Um, so we'll we'll see how Keanu Neal can help turn this defense around. I mean, he was he was definitely a, a key playmaker during that Falcons run to the Super Bowl. Um, but then injuries just started derailing his career. I mean, he was one of the better young safeties in the league. Um, I believe almost two hundred hundred tackle seasons, and then just never bounced back. But we'll see how the Cowboys do. It's it's all going to come down to this defense. As usual. Now, on to the Giants. Um, they got Daniel Jones' weapons, but I still don't know if Daniel Jones is truly the answer for this team. They brought in Kenny Galladay, which was huge. Uh, Four-year, $72 million, uh, $40 million guaranteed. They brought in John Ross, uh, Kyle Rudolph. They were able to secure Leonard Williams on a multi-year deal, uh, three years, $63 million. That was big for their defense. And then they brought in Adoree Jackson from the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. I just want to say I loved pretty much everything that this Giants team did. They, uh, We wanted help for Daniel – or I say we. I'm not a Giants fan. But from what I had heard, Giants fans wanted help around Daniel Jones. It's time to figure out whether he's the guy or whether he's not. So, you know, let's get him some weapons and see what he can do with them. They signed Kenny Galladay, which was the wide receiver in this class. That is a huge win. You have a bona fide star at the wide receiver position lined up for next season. I love that. Then they went and they take a chance on John Ross. I love this as well. He hasn't worked out, but there was a, some team out there was going to take a flyer on him. And if it worked, it it could have worked amazingly. And if it works for New York, it could work amazingly. And so just a, a $2.5 million flyer, I will take that any day, especially when it's a guy that has speed the level that John Ross has. He, he's going to add a dynamic if it pans out that few players in the entire league can add to a team. Kyle Rudolph is going to be a really good complimentary tight end. I still think Evan Ingram is, you know, it's still his position, but Kyle Rudolph offers you a lot of flexibility with two tight end sets. And he's a much better blocker than, than Evan Ingram. And he is also a much better red zone target. Evan Ingram is a, a yards after catch. He's almost a, a wide receiver tight end blend. And so Kyle Rudolph offers you a lot more 
from the red zone as a tight end. Um, they signed, took flyers on Ryan Anderson and Reggie Raglan, a couple of Alabama guys. They always seem to work in the NFL. It hasn't for either one of them. I would not be surprised if one or both of them figured out how to get it to work with this Giants team or just at least offer them some good, good playing time. And then you touched on it. The Leonard Williams was huge. He got the franchise tag, later agreed to a three-year deal, $45 million guaranteed, 63 in total. I love it. They did the cap gymnastics to be able to get the cap to work right in the way that they wanted to. I love that. Danny Shelton is a terrific defensive tackle. They got him as well. And then Adoree Jackson. I mean, uh, the idea of him and James Bradbury scares me a lot. It really does, especially as a team that has to compete with the Giants in this division. I, I think the Giants, I, I don't want to play my cards too soon, but I think they had the best free agency of any team in the NFC East. I, I loved a lot of what they did. And as an Eagles fan, it, a lot of it pissed me off, to be honest. <laughs> now, the, the big thing with the Giants right now, I, I find it kind of similar to the Denver Broncos situation. You have a good team. You just need your quarterback to be able to perform. Daniel Jones is a better QB than Drew Locke. Uh, by far a better quarterback. But I still don't know if he's truly the answer. Um, we'll see how he performs with having a, a true star wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. Um, I think that would definitely help him out. But you just have to hope he can perform. Absolutely. I, I think that the moves were necessary. Like I said, it's you have to know whether – you're wasting your time waiting on Daniel Jones to figure things out or whether, you know, there is that guy inside of him that they all believed was in there when they drafted him. It's time to figure that out right now. And the team is ready to compete. Also getting Saquon Barkley back. is going to really, really boost this team up. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the best free agent acquisition. <laughs> um, Now onto the Philadelphia Eagles who signed basically no one they brought in joe flacco for some reason yeah some reason is damn right uh i don't get it uh I, he's a good backup i guess I, I i i'm not a big joe flacco fan i don't love this and if we were gonna have anybody else to back up jalen hurts i would have been happier <laughs> But he is a player, and I, I will take Joe Flacco. I hope that he doesn't have to see the field next season, as usually is always the hope for backup quarterbacks. But if he is forced to, I feel confident in the fact that he could lose us a lot of games and get us an even better draft pick. So I do like that. Um, it, there's really nothing there. The only real signing that the Eagles made was Anthony Harris, who is a good safety. He got lost in the jumble uh, of everyone else at his position in free agency. He's a good player. He led the entire NFL, or I believe was tied for the league lead in interceptions just a year ago. Um, yeah, just a year ago in 2019 with the Vikings with six. He's a good player, and he's a very good pass defender out there in the secondary. And I'm intrigued to see how the Eagles use him. Safety was definitely one of the places that we needed to get better. And so I'm glad that we addressed that position. But if Anthony Harris is the – if, well, excuse me, if Anthony Harris and Joe Flacco are the two players we're walking out of free agency with, um, it's kind of becoming obvious that we're not going to be able to make the trades necessary to free up some cap space with enough time, notably the Zach Ertz trade. 
to free up enough cap to do something meaningful. And so for that reason, I would almost advise the Eagles to just keep Zach Ertz for another season. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the worst could come from it is. You, you'd have a, a sure thing and a Philadelphia Eagle lifer to help your second-year quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I think that would be awesome. But, yeah, they were – the Eagles were very, very strapped for cap space, and they did not have a lot of things that they could do. But they grabbed at least one contributing player. I guess I'll take it, but they got a lot of work to do in the draft. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how the Eagles can turn their season around next year. Now into my team, the, the Washington football team. Oh, boy, did they make some signings I loved. Um, first off, you bring in Fitz Magic on a one-year $10 million deal. So you can either start him or Taylor Heineke. I am honestly fine with either. But the big signing of this team, or one of the two that were huge, you brought in another weapon for our quarterback to throw to that's not named Scary Terry. They brought in Curtis Samuel. You ought to bring, also bring in Adam Humphreys. He was a, a good receiver. He was on that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Um, he just kind of got outshined by uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and uh, Scotty Miller. Didn't really have a whole lot of limelight in, in Tampa. So him coming to Washington will be nice. He's a good receiver. Uh, we were able to franchise tag Brandon Sheriff. And then Washington brings in William Jackson. So that secondary is secured. The one of the just bolstering one of the the best young defenses in the league even more. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just one thing that you did say um, last season, Adam Humphreys was with the Tennessee Titans, but um oh yeah, but yeah, it, both for one. The Curtis Samuel signing to me is the big thing. Curtis Samuel was one of the most intriguing free agents to me. I think we've only finally really got to see what he can offer a football team in his final year with the Carolina Panthers. And so there's a lot of intrigue around him. And I am very, very excited to see some of the ways that the, the Washington football team can utilize him. I mean, he's just a freak athlete and is insanely gifted with the ball in his hands. And so the one thing that does worry me just a little bit and had worried me before I even knew where he was going was I just wanted to, I wanted him to go to a team that I thought could definitely be able to use him creatively. And I think that's the one kicker here. I think if you just throw Curtis Samuel out there as your wide receiver too, he'll probably under underperform. But if you use him creatively in the slot, move him around, just try and get the ball in his hands in as many creative ways as possible. End arounds, pitches, screens, whatever you have to do to just let him – to get him in some space and let him do what he does best and let him do why he just got paid $35 million. Uh, I hope that Washington use, utilizes him the right way. And like I said, I hope they don't just throw him out there to the wolves and expect the fact that, you know, Scary Terry's on the other side means that he's going to have a lot of daylight to work with. It doesn't usually work like that. But I do think that there's not a lot of, you know, potential outcomes where this signing is a bad signing. Curtis Samuel was a guy that I think every team could have used. And for him to be in Washington, they had a huge need for another playmaker. And to fill it with Curtis Samuel, a guy who can only get better, 
is absolutely awesome. And I, I, I like the signing too. Three year deal worth 34 million. I, I think that works really, really well. Brandon Sheriff, the best offensive lineman for the, for the Washington football team, comes back, got the franchise tag. That had to happen. Um, Fitz Magic, I haven't talked about him yet, but I love that signing. Um, you you said you wouldn't you wouldn't really have a preference either way between Fitzmagic and Heineke. Uh, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick should definitely start next year, and I think he's a perfect quarterback to throw in there and and let him take the reins if he need be. But I think it also kind of shows that Washington is going to focus on the quarterback position, and I I think this quarterback that could really really help them in this draft, and I would love to see him get to get to their pick, and that's Mac Jones. I think that. I don't love Mac Jones as a prospect, and I, I do have him pegged as my fourth quarterback. And for that reason, I just think that he's the one of the most ready to play day one. I, I think he has a low ceiling. I, I don't think he's going to, you know, have the potential of any of those other guys. But I do think he could come in day one and play for a good team, especially one that's set up around him to play really well. And so I, I think Mac Jones – I could see that really, really helping out this team if they, if they choose to go that direction in the draft. And I haven't talked about William Jackson yet. You guys lost Ronald Darby. Definitely had a question mark at the cornerback position. And William Jackson was one of the top three corners in this free agency class. I mean, that's another win right there. Uh, I loved a lot of what this Washington football team did as well. And they're the only team in the division that made gave me some pause about whether I was really going to crown the Giants as the Kings of free agency. I like the Giants a little bit better top to bottom overall, but I do think that the Washington football team walks out of free agency a lot better than they were before. Yeah, especially bringing Fitzpatrick, um, giving us a, a true veteran quarterback who's played under big lights. Um, I do like Taylor Heineke, but four games isn't a whole lot to look at, so – being able to be mentored by a guy like Fitzpatrick is going to be very, very nice. I don't know if any quarterback will truly fall to us of the the top guys um, at 19. I don't see it happening, So, but who knows. But also bringing back Dustin Hopkins. I've, I've always been a fan of Dustin Hopkins, bringing him back. I, I really like that. Uh, uh, Dale Roberts, Danny Johnson – just another two cornerbacks to have in rotation just in case a guy like Kendall Fuller or William Jackson gets hurt. Just bringing in depth and young guys is what this team did, and I've loved everything about it. Absolutely. Moving on to another team that – or not another team, but a team that had some questionable decision-making. Ooh. That's the Chicago Bears. There was oh, boy. A, I, I'm just going to say it straight out. I hate I hate what they did. I can't stand it. Um, it it's uh, not a lot of times do you see a free agent class seemingly contradict itself. For one, they go out and get Andy Dalton, who I, I don't – he's not going to be the quarterback of your future, but if he's a potential backup, then – uh, it's a nice deal. Yeah. But the way it looks, he's going to be starting for this team next year. I don't like that. They franchise tagged Allen Robinson. I hate that. I wanted him to be able to have the chance to go to free agency. And I figured, you know, with everything going on with the bears, 
maybe they would just let him, you know, walk. Nope. They franchise tagged him, are going to bring him back. I hate that for him and for the team just because they're the moves don't even point to competing next year. Why do you need Allen Robinson? Why are you going to franchise tag him to remain a part of your team? It, it doesn't make much sense, especially when you have young receivers that you have to figure out what they're going to be able to offer you. So I, I don't like that. Um, Desmond Trufant and Artie Burns as the, the heir parents to your Kyle Fuller, it's not going to work. Uh, this is an F for me. Yeah, I don't know what the the Bears were thinking here. The only signing I somewhat liked was Desmond Trufant, and that's if they kept Kyle Fuller, but they didn't. So, I mean, they brought back Mario Edwards. That's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, yeah. I feel so bad for Bears fans. Like, this is – this is a more incompetent front office than the Jets. Like, why would you franchise tag a guy that doesn't want to be here? That that doesn't make yeah. sense to me. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, it's hard to figure it out, make sense of it. My only guess is that they're prepared to enter a rebuild. But then again, like, why drag – Allen Robinson through that it, it there's contradictions in here I don't like it I don't like the cuts that they made I don't like the players they let, that they let go uh, it's, just, it's just a lot to hate with this particular free agent class for me also this is how you know the Bears front office and is dumb you bring back a kicker on a multiple year deal unless your name is Justin Tucker Sebastian Janikowski in his prime or Adam Vinatieri you never sign a kicker on more than a one-year deal. Yeah, I, I guess that is probably goes back to trauma for them. I can't imagine what, you know, kind of scarring came from the double doink. Um, I, I guess this is one of the things that comes from that. Um, now moving on to the Detroit Lions. They lost a lot this offseason they lost both of their star receivers and marvin jones and kenny galladay they traded away matt stafford for the other white boy jared goff they look fairly similar which is strange to think <laughs> about uh they brought in tyra williams and bashad perryman who are nowhere near the status of kenny galladay and marvin jones but, but it's it's somewhat salvageable uh they did get Michael Brockers, which I like Michael Brockers. Um, I, I think that's going to fare okay for this, this defense. But, I mean, they just lost way too much. And you lost Desmond Trufant. So. Yeah. I think there goes really your kinda... replacement for Darius Slay. Yeah. Uh, I think – Really, the only moves that I, I really intrigue me with this team are Michael Brockers. I do like that trade, uh, and I like Brockers as a player as well, just like you. Okor was their, was really their main focus in free agency, and, and I do think that he needed to be um, Kenny Galladay. Just based on the complexion of, and where this team is going, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones didn't fit the timeline exactly. I, I think you could make the argument that Kenny Galladay could really fit any team's uh, timeline, but I, I guess – 
you know, the, the Lions weren't in for the price tag. And I can understand that to an extent. But, you know, if you're wanting me to grade this this free agent class off of Okwar, Brockers, right. Alex Anzalone, it, I do like Jamal Williams as well. I think he, he will help, you know, add something else that's not DeAndre Swift. But, yeah, Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, you're falling off a cliff from – the kind of production that you got with Kenny Galladay and, and Marvin Jones. So uh, I'm not a big fan of that. And it, my guess is with the way it looks, I mean, they want to have a decent defense, but at least based off of the signings and the things that they made, they're prepared to let Jared Goff just absolutely fall off a cliff and have nobody to throw to. And almost, it kind of seems like they're setting themselves up to have a reason to take a quarterback here soon. Imagine going from Cooper cup, Robert Woods, uh, Who's the who's tight end? Oh, um, What's it, Josh? Gerald Everett. Yeah, Gerald Everett to TJ Hawkinson, Rashad Perriman, Terrell Williams. Uh, uh, if you believe mock drafts, maybe Devontae Smith as well. That's That could be true, but if, if that happens, I, I'd be fine with that, but agency wise yeah the the lines are are towards the bottom yeah it just the the whole matt stafford trade set them up for a, a different timeline obviously they've been on an awkward timeline between trying to compete and trying to not suck for what feels like matthew stafford's entire career there so finally they can just embrace the suck suck a little bit more and hopefully you know after what feels like my entire lifetime of bad play from the lions maybe this will be this will be the start i mean they have more picks in their future after this matthew stafford trade the hopes are that maybe they may be building something there and i do like a lot of their young pieces on this team so they do have a little bit of hope for the future but i'd be lying if i told you not to expect a train wreck next season yeah um now on to the the other small free agency class of the of 2021 that's the green bay packers and it was literally only re-signings uh you secure aaron jones on a big deal on a four-year contract 48 million dollars so that's good um aaron jones is a very promising running back he's proved that he is the workhorse for that team so that's good but i know a lot of green bay packers fans are so upset that they brought back kevin king Yeah. I know Packers fans are rioting. Yeah, they're pissed. They're not not pleased. Um, it, it only takes about 10 seconds into a, a conversation with the Packers fan to really feel figure out how they feel about Kevin King. He is not a popular player among their fans. And I was surprised to see that. Also, because he's a younger cornerback, I figured, you know, he probably would have fared a little bit better going to another team. I figured some team out there, you know, bereft of cornerback talent would have shelled him a, a little bit more than a one-year $6 million contract. I could be wrong, but that was definitely weird. And I'm not a Packers fan, so just on behalf of Packer fans, I'm willing to give this an F if you are. <laughs> um, I can't give it an F because of the Aaron Jones signing and then bringing back Mercedes Lewis, who's a, a reliable tight end. I like Kevin King. 
I like him. He had a, a, a few bad plays. I don't think that can truly define his character. Because what was it? Marcus Williams that made the, the whiff tackle and um the Minneapolis miracle. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't make me hate Marcus Williams. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing here with Kevin King. I think he's gonna gonna really pick it back up. This is kind of another another prove it deal for him to stay with the Packers, because I think him and Jari Alexander can make a really really good combo at, at the at the cornerbacks. Oh, they absolutely can. I mean, both of them are are were really talented guys just coming into this league. Jair Alexander has turned himself into one of the league's best cornerbacks, hands down. And so for Kevin King, his job should be easier. It really, really should be. I mean, he, he's going to get a lot more attention and he's going to get picked on more, which, you know, will make it seem as though he's probably a little bit worse than he really is. But also I will say there are just lapses. He does not play the ball well, especially when it gets close. Um, I, I think he, he really doesn't, just watching, I don't think he has the best body control. Uh, it feels like he gets – it almost feels like all of his fundamentals go out the window as soon as the ball is in the air. And, and I can see how that would be frustrating to Packers fans. But, um, like I said, he he has it as easy as any cornerback in the league, arguably, playing on the other side of Jair Alexander. So, uh, his life should be made a little bit easier. He will get picked on a little bit more. But the Packers got to be hoping for better play. And so does he if he wants to, you know – Keep making millions of dollars in the NFL. I I think he'll be able to turn it around next year. I'm um, hoping so at least. But now on to the end of the NFC North, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Um, nothing big here from the Vikings besides one signing. They brought in Patrick Peterson. Um, that's gonna help fill the void of what Xavier Rhodes was. Um, losing him two years ago. Uh, Pat Pete, nowhere near what his prime was, but still a good cornerback. So, also they brought in uh, Xavier Woods. So, that's going to be good. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. Other than that, nothing super notable. Yeah. I like the additions to the secondary. That was obviously a problem for the Vikings last season. They had to they had to do something in that regard. And I'll be honest, they, they lost Anthony Harris. I don't think Xavier Woods is a huge step down from Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris is a very, very good cover cornerback, but Xavier Woods is good in his own right. Patrick Peterson, uh, they, they're just really hoping that they can get another season out of him. And, and I really do hope that they can, because I, I would like for this Minnesota team to be good for his sake. That That's the point that I'm at with Patrick Peterson. He's, I really hate the the slander and how just almost forgotten it feels like Patrick Peterson is because he was, especially when I felt like when I was growing up, he was the cornerback that you did not mess with. And he was a playmaker. He was Tyron Matthew before we saw Tyron Matthew. I, I mean, that was Patrick Peterson to me. So he was the first LSU seven that I really remember just wrecking havoc. And so for that reason, he'll always have a special place in my heart. And I hope this team wins for him. He's had a really rough go in Arizona. I mean, really his whole career. And then they get good and he just doesn't fit the timeline anymore. Like that's bullshit. I hate that. I, I wish it wouldn't have worked that way for him, but here he is. And I hope it, I hope that the, the 
this Vikings team can play well for him. But I, I like him. I like Dalvin Tomlinson. I like Xavier Woods. I don't like anything that they did with the offensive line. And, and I don't think any of those guys are going to push them in the right direction. And that, to me, now they've made a couple of moves in the secondary. That that now is the biggest concern. Like, they need, like, five offensive linemen. They're not very talented on the offensive line whatsoever. And they need help, like a lot of help. So that's going to have to be almost the entire focus in the draft or – I'm not going to like it because they got three offensive linemen here, but they're all just essentially backups. Like uh, you might be able to get some playing time from Rashad Hill, but I, I wouldn't even bet on that. Um, An interesting uh, re-signing here is Amir Abdullah. Uh, I don't know why you bring him back. It just feels weird to me. He didn't really produce anything for y'all last year. He had eight carries. So, I why not try it? Although it is only a, a million dollars, so I guess you can't really put that anywhere else. But it, I don't know how to feel about it. Just the Vikings got better on the defensive side, which is what they needed. But they also need offensive line and signed three offensive linemen that aren't going to do anything for them. Um, now on to the NFC South, starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, and they brought in Barkevius Mingo, they brought in Mike Davis, um, I'm a fan of Mike Davis, uh, I think he did really good in Chris McCaffrey's af- absence, uh, last year with the Panthers, but, <sighs> still don't know how to feel about it, it's gonna be... An interesting year for the Falcons again. Another year with Matty Ice under center. And another year you're just kind of ruining your tank, I feel like. Yeah. There, there's just not a lot here with this class. Um, I, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head. I think there's really three people here that really will probably end up mattering in the long run for the Falcons, and it's Mike Davis, Fabian Moreau, and Barcavius Mingo. I think that they all offer you something, especially from Barcavius Mingo and Fabian Moreau. Both of those guys are still young, still have some untapped potential. It would be awesome if the, the Falcons were able to turn, you know, their their flyer signings of both of those guys into some actual uh, players that they can build around and, and start filling in around those guys, I think that would be really, really well. But there's just not a lot here in this class. It's kind of obvious the Falcons are another team that are going to take that route into hopefully uh, sucking and tanking. And it's probably the right move. Like you said, it's been far too long that Matt Ryan alone has kind of kept them from that point. So it's probably time. But there's just not a lot to go off on this free agent class for the Falcons. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about the Falcons for the next few years it seems like um but moving from the falcons to the carolina panthers they brought in david moore so they have the moore brothers out out wide now uh brought in more to try and replace curtis samuel honestly david moore has been pretty good in seattle i i like the signing but my favorite signing they had was easily hassan reddick mm-hmm. i mean hassan reddick 
he was good in Arizona. He just never really had the opportunity to, to truly flourish. And I think he's really going to get that opportunity here. Yeah. Well, I know one thing it's that the, you know, I think a lot, I, even me, I would like to operate under the belief that the Panthers saw enough from Teddy Bridgewater last season. I really like Teddy as, as a person and as a player, I think he's a really good player, but sadly I just don't think that's the reality and if I had to take a guess it's I would guess that quarterback position is going to be a spot that the Carolina Panthers might look to draft <clears throat> and and that, I kind of get that off of what they what they did in free agency Taylor Moten Cam Irving they're their two tackles for next season I love both of those Taylor Moten is an awesome awesome player they also brought in Pat Elfline really really good guard in his own right and then just like you I really love the Hassan Reddick uh, signing I, I was really intrigued with where he would go in free agency all in all because he had such a good year last year after um, really not doing too much in the early part of his career so I, I was happy for him and really intrigued with where he would go I like I like the fit here with the Panthers he has an obvious role with this team and they also signed Denzel Perryman who's a very good linebacker in his own right. So the defense got a little bit better. They beefed up the offensive line. I love that. Brought in David Moore. But it it seems like things are – it could be a new quarterback coming to Carolina. And if that is the case, I, I would be sad for Bridgewater. But I would love it based off of what they did in free agency. I think they've set themselves up really well to bring in a new quarterback. Yeah, uh... It all depends on how they're – I feel like it depends on what falls to them. Yeah. Like, if a tra- if a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson falls to them, I could see them going with that. But I feel like if it's Trey Lance or Mac Jones, I'm not 100% sure if they would take a, a flyer on one of them because I don't think Mac Jones or Trey Lance are really going to be that much better than what Teddy gives you. So I that's just me though. I have an interesting theory I want to kind of run by you. With Joe Brady as OC, what do you think the chances are that they might take Mac Wilson? Now I know that he has no connection necessarily to Mac Wilson, but every offense I've seen from Joe Brady, he likes a certain kind of quarterback. And I'd be damned if Mac Jones didn't look like he'd be a perfect fit in a Joe Brady offense. It's it's interesting. Uh, um, Mac Jones is definitely more of a, a stay in the pocket kind of guy. Uh, can use his legs, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. I I still got to do my mock draft about that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep, see. Let's play the cards close. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, I really did like. I liked most of the Panthers off season. I think bringing in David Moore and Hassan Reddick two good signings and then beefing up that offensive line is really good. I also do like the Morgan Fox signing, uh, not too much money for him, but just bringing in a nice defensive lineman to pair alongside Brian Burns. is going to be nice. Agreed. Agreed. Now onto the new Orleans saints. They bring back James Winston on a one year deal, five and a half million dollars. They bring in Ty Montgomery. Uh, Marcus Williams gets the franchise tag and, other than that, nothing really happens. Yeah, another one of those situations where there's not 
not a lot here. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. I, I do, you know, Marcus Williams was a, a franchise tag that, or re-signing that had to happen. PJ Williams, I'm glad that they could keep him. Um, and then Jameis Winston, uh, I think that as long as he operates as starting quarterback next season and not Taysom Hill, uh, I, I really like this free agent class because I still don't really know what to make of the whole contract that was given to him. I, I just really can't wrap my head around it. So I, I'm not too much in love with this offseason, and there's just not a lot here as well. But uh, I do think that, sadly, the New Orleans Saints are going to take a slight step back. I think that, you know, last year they added a lot in free agency, and this year they lost a lot. Yeah, I – I do think the the Saints are still going to be playoff contenders if Jameis Winston is under under center, um, but that that's the big thing if is if he's going to be under center. Um, I do like the Saints still as a team though they're they're going to be still a deadly team if they can come back healthy and have most of their guys good and ready to go. Yeah. Um. Now on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Didn't sign anyone, just re-signed every single player. I mean, they are the first team in the Super Bowl era to bring back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl team, which is absolutely insane. That is insane. Uh, you you lock up Shaq Barrett and Levante David on multi-year deals. Um, Now, here's the one instance of a front office not being done with the kicker. You re-sign Ryan Suckup on a three-year deal. That's because he's a Super Bowl champ, so that makes sense. Not Chris Costanzo with the Chicago Bears, who hasn't proven anything. Agreed. Um, I, I don't think you could give this. Uh, there's no way that you could not not love this. Uh, like you said, they didn't lose anything. <laughs> Uh, they didn't add anything, but they won the Super Bowl. That's the luxury of being the best team in the league. You you don't have a lot of holes. And I think, you know, what holes that they were going to have, they filled them all by just bringing everyone back. I mean, there's nothing not to love here. The one thing that does kind of worry me is if they're going to have the cap next year to bring it back Chris Godwin. That's the only thing that's going to kind of worry me is if Chris Godwin is going to be willing to take that pay cut. Yeah, I, I definitely. He he probably it's a good foresight by you, Jason. He'll he's probably on the move next year. I'd agree with that. I mean, just looking around, some of the money that they get, are giving to these guys, they had to. I mean, their value is up after winning the Super Bowl, so I, I do get that. But they they paid the premium for these guys. I mean, three point two five is not that much for Fournette, but sixty eight Shaq Barrett, nine for Indomitian Sue, twenty five Levante David. 8.25 over the first two years for their kicker. I mean, there's there's money exchanging hands in all of these deals, and, and it's big paychecks. So uh, Chris Godwin might not be in long-term plans. That would really be sad for Buccaneers fans, but he got his ring, so. Yeah, he's not upset. Um, Now moving on to the final division, the NFC West, starting off with the Arizona Cardinals. They had a really interesting free agency class. Uh, brought in A.J. Green on a one-year deal. Got a trade for Rodney Hudson, 
which is crazy. Brought in Kelvin Beecham. Brought in J.J. Watt. Uh, Malcolm Butler. Matt Prater. They just... Okay. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Um, and I'm not not the biggest fan of it all uh, I felt like I personally look like a team that is proactive and, and makes signings now and for the future and I don't think that they did a whole lot of that Rodney Hudson is old JJ Watts getting old AJ Green is getting old I don't think that you get that much argument from anybody that every single year for the future every one of those players is going to regress I don't think you're going to get the same thing year in and year out as you, the, the same way you would a young player. And so with that being said, I don't think that the Arizona Cardinals have the immediate talent to compete next year. And that's the kind of moves that they're trying to make. Um, I, and I think, you know, obviously they're getting better, but also they're, they're just trying to sell out and win next year. And I, I think, you know, you just got Kyler Murray, like we're going on year three he's been awesome. There's no reason to start freaking out and doubling down. You know, I mean, you, you have time. It didn't have to happen overnight, but that's the way they're approaching it. And I I don't really love that, but uh, who knows? I mean, only a third round pick to get Rodney Hudson. So I don't hate that. Um, 31 million for JJ Watt. I mean, that's, that's steep. I don't think you're going to get $31 million out of play from him um, just because of it, the injuries and everything at this point uh, have really slowed him down a lot. And for AJ Green, though, I, I do like that one. That is the one that I do like. I think they need weapons for Kyler Murray. And um, a, a one-year flyer with AJ Green is fine with me as long as you have the intentions to continue to address that once he's not on your team anymore. But um, yeah, they filled holes, but I, I just I'm not sure they filled them with the with the right tool. Yeah, if AJ Green can stay healthy, I like the signing a lot. But his injury prone in the past few years has been kind of scary. The one signing that really intrigues me is Malcolm Butler. I know Russell Wilson is terrified in his boots right now, having to face him <laughs> most likely twice a year. Brings back flashbacks for. All Seahawks fans, I'm sorry. Um, I would have liked to see them try and get him on a multi-year deal. Only a one-year contract is kind of iffy. I like Malcolm Butler as a player. Um, and with them losing Patrick Peterson, I, uh, trying to secure a guy like Butler on a multi-year deal would have been really nice. Also, Robert Alford and only a one-year deal. Uh, it's really just a lot of plug-in fit kind of guys right now I'm I like it but at the same time I don't the Cardinals are kind of contenders but I could also see them being huge pretenders yeah agreed um now on to the Los Angeles Rams they got Matthew Stafford but they lost a good amount uh they lost John Johnson they lost um Ooh, what's his name? What's his name? They brought back Leonard Floyd, which is good. Um, 
Who's that other defensive guy they lost? Uh, um, Troy Hill. Troy Hill, yeah, 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 that's him. So, then they also brought in Deshaun Jackson on a one-year deal for some reason. Yeah, um, I I love to say it how big of a, a factor speed is, and obviously, you know, Deshaun Jackson is known for that as well as any speedster in the NFL, but also Deshaun Jackson is not the same player that he once was. Uh, I feel like we haven't seen a fully healthy season in a long, long while. And uh, it's probably worth kicking the tires on him, but I I wouldn't expect a lot from it. And I hope that this signing wasn't made with the intentions that he's going to come in and produce 16 games a year next year. Like you better not be counting your eggs right now because uh, Deshaun Jackson could be a broken egg by week one. So you'd never really know. And and the way his health has lined up these last few years, I I feel like you can't bet on that at all. And I mean, they kept Leonard Floyd Uh, 64 million is a huge investment. And with how much else they lost, I'll be honest, I, I'm not – I like Leonard Floyd a lot, but I, I don't like him for $64 million. And I think they could have held on to a bit more elsewhere if you didn't opt for Leonard Floyd. So Now, I will say, I think Matthew Stafford is the first truly elite quarterback that's been on the Rams since Kurt Warner. <laughs> I like Sam Bradford. I liked golf. But, like – I know Matt Stafford can show glimpses of the greatest show on turf. I know he can show those kind of glimpses. I think he will play really, really well for this team. I'm, I'm excited to see him in a situation where he can, excuse me, actually compete for the first time in a long while. It'll be awesome to watch that. Um, and, and I do think the Rams upgraded the quarterback position. Then that's the most important position. Uh, it's obvious that they're making the commitment to really compete and I like that I'd be willing it's not a lot here but I mean just for the fact of getting you a quarterback that I could really see pushing everything else over the edge to get you a Super Bowl I like I like the free agent class overall just because of Matt Stafford because of that yeah I I like Matthew Stafford trade but Leonard Floyd and Deshaun Jackson signings it's it's iffy I still do like the Rams as a team I mean, when you have Aaron Donald as a, a defensive lineman that can take three guys to stop, if you can have serviceable guys and a good secondary, you're going to be fine. But losing John Johnson and Troy Hill is going to hurt you. So, curious to see what this team's going to do next year. Yeah. Um. Now on to the San Francisco 49ers, who made history with – the biggest offensive tackle contract in NFL history with re-signing Trent Williams to a six-year, $138 million deal when the man is, I'm pretty sure, 32 years old. Yeah. Uh, I will say it's not as crazy as it looks on paper. and It's a lot of times is the case with the NFL. But this one is – as unique, I think, as I I can remember in recent history. I don't think I've ever seen one really formatted it's, this way. It's kind of like a a team option in the NBA, but yeah, three years of it, which yeah. is 
that's that's actually a really really good way to look at it except instead of dealing with rookie scale contracts we're dealing with 77 million dollars over his final three seasons which is yeah instead of instead of like 10 million you're dealing with eight times that yeah i mean it's it is really really insane but i will say i'm not i'm not in love with paying trent williams 32 million dollars next year but the structure of this contract isn't all that bad i I will have to say i mean in essence it's a three-year 60 million dollar deal with the option to either pay him again for 77 million dollars over three years or not so i i do tend to like that and trent williams is an amazing amazing offensive tackle i mean he was he was the guy over anyone in this free agent class and he got paid like it in my opinion and he probably should have so i'm definitely happy for that um and they needed to keep him no matter who is going to be the quarterback for them they needed that i also got another offensive lineman who i really really like alex mack on a five and a half million dollar contract he's coming over from the atlanta falcons he's always been a really really strong offensive center I like sam Ebukam, a really good linebacker in his own right and i just had to take a second and thank the San Francisco 49ers. I couldn't imagine any team in the league wanting to sign Nate Gary, but thank you for taking him off of the Eagles' hands. I know we probably would have re-signed him somehow. We would have done cap gymnastics if we'd have had to, to probably bring him back. And I don't know why, but just thank you for taking it out of our hands and, and I enjoy him. He is all yours. Moving on, uh, Jason Verrett, uh, quality cornerback. Emmanuel Mosley, another quality cornerback. Kwan Williams, it got depth. Cornerback is a position that they need to get better at. They're not going to have Richard Sherman next year. So they, they needed some just depth at that position and players that can come in and play. They got that. Jaquiski Tart, re-signed like that. Um, this, is a, this is a good class. I, I, I do like this. I love the fact that they paid Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, the last actual fullback, I feel like, left in the league. I mean, he had a five-year, $27 million contract. I'm if a there's huge a fullback fan of this. in the league that deserves it, it's him. I mean, he it, is going to work for that $27 million. He does a lot for that team. Yeah, he is He is the, the focal – I think he's the true focal point behind this offense. Without him, a lot of stuff wouldn't happen especially blocking wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's the guy who will put his body on the line for basically anyone on that team. Also bringing in Muhammad Sanu is, I really like it. Um, I think since Sanu's time in Atlanta, he really hasn't had a chance to be a, a, a true star. And, with the 49ers not really having a huge receiving core right now, I think bringing in Muhammad Snu is perfect. I mean, he's to be able to mentor a guy like Brandon Ayuk, uh, really elevate his play. Now all they need is to see if Jimmy G is going to be the quarterback or if they're going to draft one, and they traded up to three. So who knows? They're in the heart of quarterback country. <laughs> I can tell you that much. <clears throat> but And – Oh, go ahead. It, it was a good class. Uh, I, I do overall like it for the 49ers just as well. And 
On to the last team. Take it away. On to the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, boy. Uh, of course, everyone knows about the early on trade rumors of the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, so many memes of him getting traded to the, the Bears and then cranking them up. Nope, Andy Dalton. Um, But they didn't really do much. I mean, they got Gabe Jackson. I do like Gabe Jackson. They brought in Gerald Everett. But they didn't really address offensive line how I would have liked it. They only re-signed guys. They didn't try and bring anyone in, which is the reason Russell Wilson wants out. Yeah, uh, precisely. And it only felt like a matter of time. I mean, it's been, it felt like that's been the storyline the whole time that Russell Wilson has been the quarterback. It's just been about offensive line. And it hasn't been the biggest thing because, yeah, Russell Wilson would just make every single guy running right at him look like an idiot and run right past him, around him, and make the best throw to win the game or take the ball down the field on his own. How special he was allowed for the Seahawks to ignore it. And I can understand him being fed up with it at this point. It's been far too long that they've just consistently, it seems, ignored this position. I mean, they made the move to get Dwayne Brown last season, but he was already – near the end of his playing days. Um, It was obvious, you know, when they acquired him, two or three years max is what you should probably bank on. And that's the absolute max. And I'm right there with you. That was the point of emphasis and they didn't get any better. And I thought, you know, they lost pieces as well. They lost their cornerback. I can't think of his, I don't know why, the the twin. Griffin. Yes. Thank you. But um, and they bring in Akello Witherspoon, who was decent for the 49ers, but always kind of felt like an outcast. There's just um, – it's okay. I'd give it a C if I had to grade it. It's another one of those classes that just doesn't really push the needle for me in either direction. I'm, I'm with you. I like that you retain Chris Carson, bring in Gerald Everett. Gabe Jackson helps you on the offensive line. Um, Ethan Pochich also helps you on the offensive line. I like that re-signing as well, but everything after that, Carlos Dunlap, that's a decent re-sign. You acquired him. You want to hold on to him. That's obvious, but yeah, not, not really pushing me in either direction. I don't love it. And I'm definitely closer to uh, probably hating it. Yeah. When you have a, a top five, arguably top three, quarterback in the league that isn't happy and you don't really bring in too much to help him and you lose things that would help him like you lost David Moore who was a good third receiver you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot here Seattle yeah agreed and it's not helping their case to say hey Russell listen we know you're disgruntled those trade rumors uh, it's never nice to hear, but look, we, we want to prove to you that we're going to improve around you and look at what we did in free agency. You can't do that with this class. Like, you just can't. I mean. Ah, yes. Here is Gerald Everett for you to throw to. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a nice tight end, and he's definitely going to get 
to have a good season for the Seahawks more than likely, as long as Russell Wilson's the quarterback. But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't really, I don't really love the help that they got Russell. No. And I, if I had to root for another team, it'd either be the Seahawks or the Bills. And just seeing the Seahawks not be able to keep Russell Wilson happy right now, it, it really hurts because, like, the Seattle's the one that took a shot on him and it worked and they won a Super Bowl out of it, but haven't really done anything since. Yeah. Um, But I hope y'all enjoyed listening to us talk about the NFL free agency for the past, what, like two and a half hours. It's, it's always fun. The, the off season, always the most fun time of sports. Like, yeah, they're not on, you can't watch it, but this is where like all the true magic happens. Yep. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. The, the free agency is the part that, you know, it's not the most fun part to pay attention to because, like you said, there's no games on TV. It's not like we're going to line up tomorrow and take the field. But you hit it on the head. This is where the games are won. You, This is where the preparation is done. This is where you get your team ready to compete for next season. And teams that win free agency fare well in the regular season. And it's because, like I said, that foresight, you have to have it. And if you don't as a team, it will bite you in the ass. And I think, you know, it's obvious after we just went through the entire free agency so far, it's a couple teams that are probably going to get bit in the ass this year. Yeah, it it really hurts to see that because if you're a fan of a team, you want to see them succeed or you you want to see them tank. I Kudos to you if you're a fan of a tanking team and actually want them to tank. Um, there really aren't many of those, but we, we will be coming to y'all with our mock draft uh, in the next week or so, uh, considering the draft is at the end of the month, which is crazy to think it's already here. It's so insane to think about. feels like it was just last year where I was jumping up and down trying to figure out why we drafted Jalen Hurts, and, and look at where we're at now. So it's a crazy time of year. Just to tell you that this is where everything this is. The whole future of the league depends on what happens in this draft. It's so many crazy things could happen. So many good players up for grabs. And we're going to, like Jason said, we'll be with you soon to let you know who we think is truly the best in this draft class and who are some of the best difference makers. But with that, I've been your host, Jason Michener, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>